words of the wise. <laughs> we are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes, I'd say. And uh, we're also entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. So if you haven't finished Jade City by Fonda Lee, the first installment of the Greenbone Saga, please catch the fuck up and come have fun with us because we miss you and we love you and we want you here. Okay, thanks. Love you. Bye. Hey there, this is Cross. I am PJ. And I'm Ben. I'm Aaron. I'm Thomas. And we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club. Hi, everybody. Hello. Raise your hand if you didn't drive a U-Haul like an idiot this week. <laughs> Everyone besides Cross <laughs> is raising their hand. I if you'd like to hear that all. story, you can... Tune in to the Devil's Cut for this week by joining us at patreon.com forward slash words and whiskey. We're also doing this one live. So this is a fully live episode. We try to do one of these a month, but this is the live episode for the end of the Greenbone Saga, which I'm very excited to talk about. We're going to be chatting well, about chapters 50 through the end. What? What, what do you got? The what end got? of the book, not the saga. The end of the book. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't. I was like, I haven't read my entire life is upside down. It's like you're driving a U-Haul. Into I don't know a tree. what we're talking about. Today is our final episode. <laughs> we're talking about chapters yeah. fifty through the end. But before we get too far here, PJ, you want to talk about our featured cocktail? Yes, I wanted to take a stab at the rum, chili, and lime drink that that old guy always ordered from the Twice Lucky at the beginning of the book, because we go back to the the Twice Lucky. This week, very obviously. And I, I felt like there was a little bit of a through line as far as themes go, that of stolen honor, which is mentioned, but it's also what happens to old Greenbone. I can't remember his name. I was going to look it up before this, but I don't, I don't know. I got it. I got it. You keep talking. We'll get it by the end. <laughs> so I, I wanted something palatable, but took that chili, lime, rum sort of focus and I didn't have any chilies, but I did have jalapenos. So I did sort of a take on a jalapeno daiquiri. So I cut up a jalapeno and soaked it in rum for a couple hours. And then I took three parts of that jalapeno infused rum, two parts of lime juice, and one part of simple syrup and just shook that. So it's a really simple, easy cocktail. Served it in a sort of i don't know what would you call this kind of glass like a a coupe tulip shape dainty nick and nora basically similar but like something tulip. like this. yeah spicy it's a little spicy if i if i let it soak for longer i think it could get there it's more just the jalapeno flavor than anything which kind of is fine it's good i really like it it's light and well balanced. I just wish there was more jalapeno to it, and that's just a factor of how long I let it soak. Mm. Mm -hmm. Nice. One of my favorite quirks, which is our local brewery's seltzer, is jalapeno chili, jalapeno pineapple. I have it in my fridge right now. If I were drinking, mm. but it's it's my favorite one. But it tastes like exactly like the jalapeno chips at Jimmy John's. Ooh, Ooh, I love those chips. Mm -hmm. That's a great sell. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Love that. Sean Ju is the name of the old guy. So. So that's the name of the drink. Sean Juice. <laughs> Sean Juice. <laughs> She's there better at this than you guys. Perfect. <laughs> yep, absolutely. We're trying to give it, you know, the little bit of a twist, but this the pun is the pun is way better. Um all right. Well, Thomas, what are you I, this fine? My afternoon? good friends. Uh I have a an Irish maple latte. There's a coffee shop right next to me, has the best everything in the world. Got a maple latte from there, iced, and a little bit of Irish whiskey in there. Mm. Very nice. That's fun. Cool. Love it. Beer. How about you, Ben? What beer? I've got a KC Beer Co. Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen. It's lovely. Yum. 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 I've got a, the KC Beer Co. Kansas City Chiefs H2O. <laughs> <laughs> Recovering from last night. We the love water the, of the champions. I could drink right now, but awesome. then I wouldn't work out, get other things done. And it's early in the day. That's totally fair. <laughs> I'm having a spin on the last ward, just with rum instead, and green chartreuse, I don't believe, which is pretty atypical. Basically just combining rum, maraschino, uh, and an herbal with lemon. So it's delicious, very tasty. Lots very of delicious. rum drinks today. Yeah, it went rummy. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So before we talk about the chapters, now that we're done with the book... How do you guys feel about the book this week's reading? You know, what what were what were your thoughts without getting too far into the the meat of what we have to talk about? I'm excited to root for Clan Bureau for the rest of the series. <laughs> can we kick him? Can we kick him? It was a very like Batman ending, like the in credit scene. I thought I told mm. I called him an epilogue motherfucker last time and he was. <laughs> I felt good and bad equally. Yeah. It was very triumphant moment, but at the same time, you're like, it it got bittersweet a little bit there. Took it away from you. Yeah. I was like really rooting for Hilo. And then I was like, he's kind of being a huge dickhole. (laughs) Thomas and I got a text of fuck yeah. And in from Ben (laughs) in the middle of my day, which just made, made the whole week. I was just happy to be included. It was great. Yeah. It's nice. Ben kept being like, have you read yet? Have you read yet? And I I didn't read it till yesterday. (laughs) Like, I'm busy. (laughs) He's like, just, you know, just checking. No spoilers. (laughs) Whenever you get there, let me know. It's pretty cool. Also, our good friend Miles, he like checks every week to see where we're at because he's read them all. Oh, nice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. To see if he's going to drop any spoilers. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's pinged us a couple of times throughout the series. He loves he's loving the coverage and loving all of this. And so, he made some great. sick Hilo art. More art. Yeah. More art. Miles, I know More you're listening. Art. <laughs> art. <laughs> great work, Miles. And definitely go check that out. Miles Bensky on Instagram. You can find him there. Awesome. All right. With that, chapter 50. Let's start this off here. Hilo rages as the head of another fist. Lot Penchugan is delivered in the war attrition or of attrition against the mountain. Hilo flashes back to an early encounter with the Make Brothers back at the Academy. He crashes back to reality as he rolls up on Aiton, of whom has had both of his arms amputated and cauterized, but with a message from Gaunt spelling out his certain death. 
After an intense exchange, Aiton remains alive, but with the promise that he can choose death in a year if he wishes, before sharing a conversation with Ken about the difficulties of being a horn. Ooh, long summary, but yeah. I really love this chapter. This is huge. And I was really, I remember when we were going through and breaking this down, I was really tentative on which side to include this because I think this is just such a way to kick off a week to be like, where, where are we going to go from here? As opposed to kind of ending on that cliffhanger. I like the other kind of the non-fighty political elements in last week. And now it's all about the physical warfare mm-hmm. this week. Not, not a great position to have both your arms chopped off. Tough. Very tough. Yeah. It also just now reminded me of the Monty Python night <laughs> guy. <laughs> <laughs> just for a little levity. Yeah. <laughs> I did flash into my brain as well. He's like squirting. No, but in reality, this would be like obviously suck. Cold blood. We're dealing with some sadistic motherfuckers. Yeah. Freaking gaunt. And I was totally like rooting for the mountain behind your backs until this. I and I was like, that's I don't pretty, think it was behind our backs. It's distasteful. It's just, it's dis- <laughs> I think it was right in front of our faces. I don't think I like gaunt anymore. It's, yeah. It's not very nice. He's kind of mean. He's a mean guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I might be rooting for Aitmata to have like a cool fight or something, but she's going to get her revenge. Solidify I'm sure. them as the bad guys. This action. There we go. There's this like really difficult scene that happens right away that I really enjoy, which is Lot Lot Pen's head being delivered, right? Which is a huge deal, you know, absolutely brutal, straight out of the the other book series' playbook in in a lot of ways. <laughs> which is often why I think that this series gets brought up in in comparison or as a read after Red Rising style book because it contains a lot of the same sort of violence while nowhere near the same setting. Um, sort of the same penchant and politics and a lot of those things. But what do you think of Hilo's unwillingness to relinquish responsibility to make to make Ken in regards to sort of the telling the family what happened? I feel it's like out of a sense of responsibility and just like he's the only one that's good at this, actually. So he just has to be able to do it. Like make Ken just can't handle the responsibilities yet. So it's more almost out of necessity that Hilo has to you know walk in both roles sometimes I don't know if it's necessarily the lack of ability for make Ken to be able to handle it but just kind of the circumstance they're in in which the clan still views Hilo as the horn and until they're in a position where they can change that perception, he doesn't have much of a choice but to act as Hornet. And we, we get the tension there a little bit between Make Ken and Hilo regarding that. But I, I think it's truly what's best for the clan is to have the person that they see as the military leader do the things that the Horn is supposed to be doing. Just for morale. See, I see it as Hilo. He doesn't trust Ken. So he's he's that. not relinquishing it because he he knows or doesn't think that Ken will do the right thing or do it well, you know. And then he even like scolds him after 
being like, you would have killed him. Like, you know, you would have made the wrong choice, basically. Right. And then he does talk like maybe he can learn how to be a good horn. But like the moment calls for someone who's experienced and knows what they're doing. And there's a sense of urgency because they're in the middle of a war. So there's no time for make Ken learning curve to take place. So that's, I mean, that's kind of what I was speaking to is I feel like he just has to do some of this stuff because they can't rely on make Ken like learning on the job as much because he can't fuck up because the stakes are so high. Mm-hmm. it's a brutal spot to be in. I mean, especially because it's like you want to take the time to train someone like make Ken, because I think Hilo does see something in him, but obviously like, like you're kind of bringing up, there's a lot of different things that are going on and there's kind of, no, I don't think any of the questions or any of the positions have solid answers. It's all about the different there's, I think each one is right to varying degrees. Does Hilo want to relinquish it? No, this is what he was supposed to do. This is what he, you know, wanted to do. Does he believe that make Ken can't do it? Right now, you know, that's that's more or less what needs to be done. So he's making sure that it gets done to, you know, solidify. And I don't think plan. I don't think Ken has the heart or the compassion for it. For this, for the talking to the kids and the like firm, but kind words, you know, like he he loves got both. And he that's why he's really a true leader, whereas Ken isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Loyal to a fault, but maybe the not not the best horn. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts on the flashback fight that we get with the makes. What'd you guys think of this moment where we see kind of that that first real bond solidify between the Make Brothers and Hilo? Like it. Classic friendship stuff. You know, <laughs> r- rivals into friends, I feel like. I loved it, yeah. I thought it really explained their bond really well and like why Hilo started looking out for them and why he was attracted to them in the first place. And like he admired their fight and that seems that like tracks with what Hilo values a lot of the time. So I like, I love it. I thought it really informed their relationship and we wondered why they were all so close and like what Hilo saw in them. And I think that really is explains it. I was initially a little bit confused by the dynamic of of Hilo feeling like he could hold back a little bit and and kind of take lead weirdly of the other guys and take command and that gets explained like a little bit later but I I wish we had a little bit more exposition on like what that dynamic was ahead of time but beyond that like that's a tiny tiny little gripe other otherwise I really liked this sort of interlude scene yeah, I, we get a little bit of setup in that way where it's like he hadn't paid much mind to them, you know, considering they were X Mountain and they were basically recovered. But other than that, it's it's pretty loose with, you know, he hadn't he hadn't really noticed or paid attention to them. But then taking lead of the other people just because I think in part his name. I mean, he's he's kind of the the natural born leader because he's a part of his family at the school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's all kind of subtextual in a lot of ways. So there's the moment, of course, with Aiton, where he is alive, but in immense amounts of pain and screaming and agony at what he's kind of lost in this moment. And I wanted to read the quote that Hilo has here to Aiton. A new year is around the corner, so I'll tell you what. Give it one year so you can see these good things come to you. 
at the end of this next year, if you still want to die, come talk to me. I'll honor your wishes myself without question. I'll see that you're buried with your jade and that your wife and child are taken care of. And it's such a it's a great quote, first and foremost. And I think of all of the quotes, it does a really great job of exposing that like raw nerve ending that Hilo has where he's both it's he's really incredibly honorable. He gets the emotionality and he's willing to like uphold the promise if if it truly is the misery that he thinks it's going to be. I don't know. I think this really paints a great character for Hilo. And also he's so devoted yeah. to that promise that he makes Ten reiterate it and then ensures Ten is going to take precautions if Ten dies as well to make sure it's followed through no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just really yeah, speaks until to... That moment. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Until that moment, it was... I was thinking that maybe it was just a ploy as well. Just uh, just lip service to to get him to not... And to keep his numbers bolstered a little bit, but with the making... Make Ken make that promise as well and going down the line. Yeah, it's it's true... True to his word, honor of. Were you gonna say, man? I was just gonna say it. Just I feel like it really speaks to Hilo's character and just like what he values in people and how much he understands other people and like he immediately understands in that moment what Aiton needs and it's not a quick death; it's his dignity and I love that aspect of of his character and I love that he's just able to identify that and then like, hey, this is how I can you know bring this person back into the fold and like still have them value their life and contributions and stuff. I just think that's cool as a leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's great. I, I really appreciate that as well. And I think it goes really far when they do finally sit down and have that kind of drink at the bar. They drink Koji, so cheers for everyone. Woo. Cheers. As they pour those two shots and have that conversation about handing off that responsibility. But they also interrogate another, a couple of other things, including like the why of not executing. And you kind of get to see that Ken really isn't used to his role. But I I find it interesting that he also debates out loud with Ken about the, about potentially going with Gaunt's option as this sort of noble solution to it all and making sure that as many people survive as possible. I want to get your guys' thought and pick your guys' brains on what you thought about that reaction. Obviously, we know that's not the way the story goes, but what do you think about that choice that he ultimately, you know, settles on? And what's what's it make you feel? What do you think? I think it goes back into what Ben was just saying, that, like, he Hilo is isn't, like, he doesn't value his life above others, and he has empathy and can care for his men like brothers and not so full of himself that he thinks he has to survive to keep the clan going. Like he's like, okay, if, if I need to die and have a smooth transition to save lives of not, not just his men, but also like the people in the town, you know, it says a lot that he's willing to, to die. And even, even though there's a secret plan, it's still very likely that he would, is going to die with even with Andon's, I don't know how you call it explosive <laughs> coming of age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting take. I hadn't considered that he had already subscribed to that idea at this point too. Like he was already resolved. And so that, that just kind of follows through as a through line for this, this section in this decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, yeah. is this the point where he talks about how, he was kind of the odd man out of the family and mm-hmm. the clan is 
the closest familial relation that he has. Yeah, this is the chapter where he where he says that because he's mm-hmm. like Shay had grandpa, Lon had their mom, mom yeah, and their mother's love, yeah. yeah. And the clan says, which then suddenly clicks everything into place, including ultimately kind of his reaction at the end, his reaction to Shay in the beginning. And a lot of things start to kind of fit in and make sense for where where he lands as a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's what I got on this one. So. Woo woo. All right. That brings us to what a downer of a chapter, <laughs> by the way. It is. This chapter is depressing. Lots of blood loss. <laughs> uh huh. A lot of the stretch is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not a particularly it's happy a, book. That's in true. General. <laughs> All right. That brings us to the third interlude, Bai Jen's Triumph. In this chapter, we get, oh, in this pickup, in this interlude, we get the story of Bai Jen, a courageous greenbow and a folk hero whose stories and legends have persisted, even becoming modernized into comics and film in the present storyline. Bai Zhen was the favored nephew of the divine uncle Jenshu, who remained himself a mortal hero, relinquishing his place in heaven to his mortal enemy after begging to be sent to earth in order to save his people. So obviously, like all the other interludes, very quick, gives us sort of like sets the tone for what's to come and gives us a nice little endpoint into Cantonese culture. And it explains the references back to it <laughs> when Hilo's being Baijin. Yeah, I thought this was a Baijin out. When I was reading this, I was like, "This is definitely a setup for like whatever is coming up next." Definitely informed that, so it was like already okay, expecting kind of some kind of sacrifice or or whatnot going into the fight with Gaunt as a result of this chapter, and. It also set up a resurrection. I thought it was going to be a little bit less literal than that. <laughs> I thought there was going to be like the resurrection of a spirit. Like I, I thought, I thought Hilo was going down here after this interlude. Yeah, I definitely thought. But, I was like, dang, Hilo's going to die now. <laughs> I was like, that's what I was thinking coming out of this. <laughs> be like Biogen. W W B D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> B- BLD BD what would Bajan do B- like BLB what would Bajan do okay that. you know the bracelets WWJD mm-hmm. yeah yeah also in this chapter we learn they have film yeah. and comics yeah I mean yeah, yeah. what do we There's got some reading material we, we think this is like the 80s ish kind of equivalency right we, what do you think it is we, we were saying it's I like we talked about that the 60s and gangsters. The uh, mobsters. Maybe we did talk about that. Yeah. I can't remember. I think collectively no we landed somewhere between 60s and 80s. Like somewhere in that two decade range. That's three decades. You're right. <laughs> bad at driving you It's whatever you want to speak Bad at doing decade math. God, I quit. I quit. <laughs> Good luck. Have this fun. Spin, words and whiskey. <laughs> and a time at Island Media Production. Me, one of the, if not the most important thing in this chapter is that little idiom, I guess. Pray to Jenshu, but be like Baijan. What do we think about that? I mean, that's some disrespect to Baijan. He deserves some, some worship too, doesn't he? He's just a mortal <laughs> hero, you know? He's not a god. He's mortal, yeah. That's true. 
that's a good point i think it's like a you know kind of a preaching to like a selfless nature mm-hmm. it's like aspire to the higher level but at the yeah. end of the day you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do yeah it's it's truly like action over virtue mm-hmm. in a big way um to like boil it down to it's it's a lowest basest component it's, you know get it get what you need but try better also kill your enemies yeah kill them all yeah no matter the cost Hilo took a very different lesson <laughs> from this story <laughs> It is still the same lesson, ultimately, but yes, <laughs> turn turn the metaphor very literally into reality. So, all right, cool. With that, chapter 51 at New Year's Eve, the turn of the new year hangs like a guillotine over the call household as we pick up with Shay fully prepared for the collective end of the family. While strolling through the garden, they discuss Shay's conversation with Ite and the circumstances surrounding Lon's death brings tumult to Hilo and Shay's decision to attack poor man's road from earlier on in the story, that kind of turning point for Shay. I I like that Shay is succeeding where Hilo lost, you know, like they talk about the two wars that they had to win here. And the fact that Shay shows up and is, you know, inexperienced by all, by all measures and actually ends up winning her side of the war. And then Hilo, the experienced one who is expected to be doing this forever and even has been in the role for a while fails is uh is a lovely i think spin in their relationship yeah Yeah. they're they're getting along better but also there's like more tension because of the circumstances of lon's death still a little bit of a rivalry yeah and it's like what the fuck dude you let me go kill all these unsuspecting people who didn't kill lon and actually like she felt tricked, bamboozled. Like Kilo said, they were green bones. It's part of their life. Not like they went out and murdered. This is innocent this is people. skipping to the end, but I think this debate is worthy, right? Do you think that Kilo was misleading Shay intentionally? Do you think that there was any? I don't any think bone he in his didn't. Body that was doing that? But she came, like no, she, she made all her hot. decisions. Yeah, she she did the right. whole Mulan, you know, <laughs> getting <laughs> dressed in off. the night, sneaking away. That's what I'm saying. Like she made all the decisions. She he didn't say anything to her. I think he says that. Like I didn't, I didn't say he's a word like, to you. Yeah, like, he's like you're the one who came in and was like, let's do this instead of you, that. You he's went like, and got hey. your jade. You came up with the idea. It's like I didn't stop you. Yeah, but like right. Oh wait. Yeah. Actually, he and did he even know he had shine in his system at this point? Like when did he? When did he have the autopsy? It had to have been after that. I because it was like, me. they attacked him. They attacked them right away. Right away. Yeah. So he wouldn't have known. Part of me believes that he's protecting Andon with the autopsy bit. I think that because Andon told him he's protecting him there, I don't think that's anything but that. It could be a genuine autopsy that proved it, but I think he believed Andon to begin with and he's protecting him. Either mm-hmm. way, they don't know at this point that he had shine in his system. Because it was like he died and they immediately killed everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but right. he would know that Lon was found with uh, just his dead jade. with his jade, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he hid and no that f- obvious wounds. He hid that from. He hid that part from Shay that he buried Lon with his jade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that feels deceptive. There was definitely some information left out, but I don't know. 
but I still feel like Shay was pretty had a lot of agency in that situation. All of that was after they had already killed everyone. It's like she's mad that like he didn't prevent her from slaughtering in her mind now unprovoked innocent men or like they didn't have a real right to kill all these green bones now in her mind but it's like they didn't have all this Hilo didn't even have all this information so I don't think it's Hilo's fault that all the those green bones were that they struck first you know because how would he have known and Lon was attacked by by I but by the mountain indirectly. Yeah, by agents so. of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. And stop giving Barrow stuff to do. He's gonna fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, very true. He's gonna push it to whatever that extreme is. Um very true. Okay, so skirting back to the beginning of this chapter here for just a second. Not that this is a very long chapter, but I do enjoy Sheila's, or not Sheila, Shay's <laughs> reaction bringing up Khan to Hilo, right? And then Khan going Stonewall and like really caring about that because she was definitely bringing it up as like, a, are you actually spying on me? Whereas Hilo was intuitive and like in on what had happened. The only way that, you know, she would have known those details seems to be talking to Ite. What do you guys think of that exchange and sort of the way that a lot of this conversation goes pre- the uh, the lawn discussion i think it's epitomized in the quote what's the point of life if you can't trust your own kin that hilo brings up no sauce <laughs> i don't have this a is the good first answer. time we've had no sauce <laughs> i don't I have a good PJ answer to this yeah, I I, so PJ, my brain <laughs> my brain went wild when you said shilo I, I, I was thinking <laughs> that's a weird like relationship name between the two of them and then if we bring <laughs> Barrow into the mix and have a thruple between the two siblings and Barrow. We got Shelob, the <laughs> the Spider Queen. So you so were thinking that's about- where my brain went, and I didn't want to admit that I completely blanked out on everything that you were saying. Or you listeners at home, I made a disapproving face at that. <laughs> You know, Shelob does a no eight legs. Never mind. You need to got you got to throw one more body in there for it to work. <laughs> anyway, I love her Hilo, I feel like Hilo probably was spying on Shay, and he's just saying that he didn't. But at the same time, I think he believes what he's saying is that like, well, if Shay's going to sell me out, then I can't really do anything to. Yeah, he was fucked. To stop it. So yeah, might I, as well. I agreed with his philosophy in that moment. I was like, yeah, that's pretty sharp uh, <laughs> estimation of the situation there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he can't. He, he can't like, you know, lift no peak up by himself, and especially if Shay turns against him, like he's fucked either way. Even, yeah, those you know, decisions were made him, long she ago. Just left. Yeah. He's ar- and he's already screwed anyways. They're already losing with Shay. So, yeah. It's like, well, if you're not with me, then I'm dead either way. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's super true. It is. There is definitely that element to it. As recent listeners of Words and Whiskey know, we, and by we, I mean you guys mostly, actually, are gambling addicts here. And it occurs to me <laughs> that... Because I believe an autopsy did occur, and that autopsy found that Lon, the cause of Lon's death was, in fact, shine. That we have a bet to pay off. 
my fine feathered friends. What's the bet? That the jade was not poisoned. Mm. Mm. Are we willing to accept that? Is it? I didn't see the autopsy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is alien autopsy part two. I still think there's something fucky. I think that I know we're about to take that jade out of the ground. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like that's still a loose thread. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. All right. But now I'm not feeling very confident about that because you guys are saying that when you pay the bet off. (laughs) I was told that there are times throughout the show where a bet appears to be paid off and it is paid then, but then later it's unrevealed to be paid off and then the opposite happens, right? That does happen. Fair. Yes. That happens, and I'm drinking for it. Fine. Mm. We'll hang on to it. The reality is, is that we drink twice. If you're right, nice. I'm yeah. doubling down on it. Okay. I, I absolutely. The still book think. evidence at present says otherwise. I will throw dynamite right. into the situation if you guys are right and we are wrong. Shots. <laughs> Cross and I will do shots. <laughs> Fair enough. You don't have to do anything else because you already drank. Good stuff, Aaron. You're gonna have to make it up later. <laughs> He does not forget. <laughs> Remember, Next she's episode. a gambling addict because of her. <laughs> <laughs> Staying up totally reading the casino like the rest of us. But <laughs> just a lo- oh, no. <laughs> if you would have won money, it would have been great. This would have been a great story. But No. If you want to lose your money fast, just go to the casino with me. And I'll help you lose it. You pretty much just go to a casino if you want to lose money. I'll That's how they work. I'll help you lose it twice as fast. I totally thought that's where Thomas was going with that comment about the gambling addicts, by the way. Not the the bets that we made, but Aaron's unfortunate demise last night. No, here's what happens. It was my husband losing all the money. I just sat and watched. I listen to a lot of sports podcasts, and they're all sponsored by fucking like FanDuel or whatever now. So every time I try to listen to something, I did at least two ads that are like, all the 10 minute long now gambling addiction line. So that's where, that's why with all the bets, I'm like, we got to get a hotline going. It's too much. 100, 1 800 <laughs> bets off. Yeah. Bets are off. We have mentioned that a couple of times on the show now, given, yeah, it's great. I think I put it in the show notes on the one episode. It will probably <laughs> be funny. in the show notes too. But so the quote that I wanted to read that ends up kind of closing this out is very interesting. And I think it gets to a point that we had discussed often with Shay earlier on, right? She says she could say to the gods on the day of the return that she had finally been the green bone she wanted to be seeking, if never achieving the divine virtues, but true to family and country and to Aisha. And I think that this is just such a great full turnabout for Shay, where she's like, I made the right choice. I stick by my choice. I'm the person that I always wanted to be right now. I thought otherwise. And she's kind of came around on that in a big way. I was really happy to see that. Mm-hmm. I was like, good for you, Shay. Yeah. This is where we wanted you to be the whole time. She finally got there. I, that's where I knew she'd be. Aaron knew it. I was like, just get to it. Aaron knew it the whole time. and But it's also that she doesn't question it anymore. Yeah. You know, I think that's the big win. Yeah, we've... We've not got this living in two worlds thing going on. She's kind of figured it out. And she's really good at what she does. She's. And. Like we learned. At the end of last week. She's very impressive and decked out in a full army's worth of Jade. Or what'd they say? A full unit's worth. Mm -hmm. So she's got the power and she's got the brain. And it comes naturally to her. 
So em- why embrace waste, your destiny? Why waste your time with Gerald? Yeah, fuck Gerald. I feel like fucking Gerald. Two things. Um, I, she might even have more jade now because she killed all those guys at uh, when she put her jade back on. That's true. And she didn't initially put it back on, but she or put that on as well. But she might have at this point. And then I feel like we've spent more time talking about Gerald than Shay has given thinking about him in this book. <laughs> She can kill her own boyfriend. She Thomas. can kill her own boyfriend. And those are <laughs> words to live by. Power. Power. That is, that is a powerful sentiment. I just need Gerald to come back into the story at some point. Why? I gotta see it. And and he sees her and he's like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Do you think Jade also, like, not only improves your abilities, but appearance? She's, like, glowing. Mm. He's like, damn, girl. Probably depends how you And I want her set. just to, like, give him a hand, you know? Go away. You look good in green. <laughs> Boy, bye. And she can be like, <laughs> crush your trachea. Force choke. Yeah. <laughs> Just have Andon point at him and done. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that for sure. <laughs> Andon's a little scary. He's terrifying, actually. And that brings us into chapter 52 from did now, the photo not work wait, i'm just wait, wait, gonna wait, go ahead and before you go dunk on Aaron here because Was that did not flash? work at all <laughs> <laughs> golly son it looks like something out of the ring <laughs> now i'm scared you have to pass That's that on horrifying. in seven days i saw that movie when i was like nine years old scarred to this day <laughs> pictured cross pj and thomas it is terrifying. All right, sorry. Go ahead, Thomas. Yep. It's all you. Chapter 52, from now until the last. Hilo and Wen are married in the courtyard of the Tall Estate. The pair reflect on the wedding that they wish they had shared. And they still... Hmm, sorry, picked up. The pair reflect on the wedding that they wished to share and hope is yet to come. And Hilo gets a glimpse of the life he and Wen could have made in the Horn's house if life had gone according to plan. The pair exchange wedding vows and spend a night with one another, attempting to make what could be Hilo's last night on Earth, one of love. A very tender, very emotional, very romantic chapter for our guy Hilo. Yep. Again, <laughs> way too... When, wait. When turns into an object again, though. <laughs> I don't like it. In I just do not... I don't like the way she's written... What 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 specifically when has got you upset here? It's all just uh uh I don't know fucking. You mean like the the slit up the thigh to show off she's a sexy piece bit? Just yeah, there's all these bits where it's like okay. <laughs> I, I took know. it as sort of like yeah. flirty banter. Really, she become she becomes a vessel again. <laughs> I didn't get any of that here. I thought it was just like two people, yeah, flirting and. In love and sweet. I found it pretty sweet overall. I feel like we, in in the same vein as what Aaron's talking about, maybe not so much vesselish, but we've been exposed to her intelligence and there's very little like of her actually speaking in this section to the point where it, it's... Yeah, it's like the sexy yeah. piece thing, and then like she's like in a possession of Hilo. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily view it that way, but I, I'll tell you what, I would be 
I would love so badly at this point to have had a an intimate scene, a sex scene from Wen's perspective as opposed to Hilo's, just to get the other side of this. Because I do, I do think I see your point that it can feel that way leaning into this, but it would be interesting to see what she thinks about the whole thing. And I think that that would paint this in a different light. Sure. At the same time, in this scene, I don't think you could do this not from Hilo's perspective, especially when you talk about the way that he wants to burn that image into his mind as the final thing he'll see before he dies and remember as this like lasting, blissful moment. Like, it, I, I agree with you. I think this is fixed with work beforehand is the only way that you could do that, though. Yeah, and I, I think it's... Or I understand. It's I don't, twofold. I don't like, agree, but I, I see that Hilo thinks he's being sweet and everything, but then I think of it from, like, Wen's perspective. She, you know, I don't know. Like, she has to get married right now so that she can, like, be taken care of when Hilo dies, but she doesn't necessarily want to be doing this she doesn't want Hilo to die so it's like a I don't know it's a marriage of necessity yeah. in the moment so in a very different way than like in unexpected pre- pregnancy but kind of similar it's got similar elements of like we have to do this now even though we would have liked to do it the right way at a different time yeah and it's like I don't know some some of the things Hilo says to win are just always feel like condescending <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't like their relationship. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I don't, I don't I, have as much of a problem as, yeah. But yeah, if we, if we had like any, any uh, indication that, I mean, Hilo is never like, I don't know. Like every time he talks about when it's always like the way she looks or him, she's a fragile bird and you know, he's her protector and it's, there's not a, she didn't have a lot of power in his eyes. Even though in and our eyes, we know that she's smart yeah. and is a spy and is a badass or is becoming a badass. She isn't like fully recognized. And it's it. totally a fault of Helos, to your point. Yeah. Like that's 100% a Helo problem. Mm-hmm. So, sorry to burst everyone's yeah. bubble. <laughs> Wedding no, day. I, Fuck this shit. It's good. <laughs> that's a perspective. We I, need. I really enjoy this chapter, but I, I also can see and understand those problems. But I think it's more of a reflection on Hilo than yeah, for you know, sure. when, if that makes sense. And I think Thomas is right. If we could like get any when perspective or yeah. like you said, cross, like have her enjoying sex and not just being like, I I took her away and ravaged her. <laughs> <laughs> this definitely wasn't a ravaging sex scene. <laughs> Seems like it's pretty tender and loving. Yeah, this is very tender comparatively. I will say, I think I think there's active notes of like he's depriving himself throughout the throughout the scene, right? And then like, he bursts in moments. And big yes. cum. <laughs> okay. <God. laughs> big there's the uh, there's the audiogram right there. <laughs> Big cum. I will say, Aaron, that based on our discussions of this throughout reading this book, obviously, that as I was rereading and rereading this chapter, that I kept in mind a lot of what you've touched on earlier with the Hilo Wen relationship, and so it did. Some things did stick out to me as well, like in that context, like the the sexy piece thing. It's just, and then like. How she like the specific verbiage of like I already picked out the dress she warned, like just some weird interesting tidbits there. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, shouldn't seem to have a lot of autonomy. Mm-hmm. It's just when when we're hearing it from Hilo's side. But I also took mm-hmm. it as him just kind of like picturing like his dream wedding and not necessarily that he would be disappointed to, in whatever she wore. Just kind of like I like I already said, I, I took it as sort of like that flirty little banter. He's like, you have a traditional little dress, but then damn girl, you looking good. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I can see that perspective, but it also feels like he's just n- not considering that it's her dream wedding mm-hmm. too. And not considering that yeah. like it, it's, it's something that she should be like very intimately like in control of. Right. Yeah. I did. I like to learn, you know, in China, they don't wear white wedding dresses. They wear traditional red wedding dresses. So it was interesting when he said something about the, you could wear the green one. I was like, that makes sense with the jade. Um, and and then he also said red, which brings it back to this has Asian overtones. So they weren't talking about wearing a white dress. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. yeah, That would make sense. I'd like to wear a green wedding dress. Green, huh? Jade. Mm. Mm. So in between the we're going to the chapel and we're going to get married bit and I'm actually getting married. There is a thank you, Cross. We are we learn about Hilo's plans of all else fails. What do we think about that? plans for this this was like the letters makes yeah yeah like she'll be taken care of because yeah there's the interesting that we're like because they're married the mountain wouldn't be able to touch what's bequeathed to her if he dies she owns yeah that's smart i mean it's it's why they're getting married Mm -hmm. right now so Yeah, and it just I think it just like adds to Hilo and like how much he cares about people and wants to make sure she's taken care of. And I think there's a little kernel of like avenge me in that as well, you know, um, with the Ken, the makes. I mean, also wanting them to get away and not die. Like, I feel like you mean like don't avenge me. Well, I think it's like an eventual avenge me thing. He says, um, I thought it was like don't. Like, if I go down, don't... Right away. Keep fighting. Yes, he wants them to run away and get her safe and take care of her and whatnot. But I think there's, like, an implied now yeah. plot and avenge me. You're gonna go uh, fight. You're gonna yeah. go he says fighting. better to yeah. live... There's It's an undertone. It's not... Yeah. Well, he oh, says okay. better to live for a chance to settle the store later. You'll have to remind them and yeah. hold them to my uh, orders if yeah, it comes to that. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. One more fly in the ointment. Yeah. You know? but good foresight you reading your keyboard there thomas yeah i have a quote i have a quote to pull up so i'm just holding this to hide myself i was like i'm sick of looking at you guys uh it's great audio only content (laughs) i wonder here's the keyboard no it's good i i did want to bring up especially in this conversation this circles back to what he was saying earlier when he just was talking with ken about the responsibilities of the pillar and that's what i really took from this is there's there's something interest or not pillar of the horn and the pillar in the division there there's something interesting here about the expectation not of them as clan members but as friends like they're gonna go out as friends and do this at this point because the clan's gonna be gone It'll be revenge for Hilo, not for and for them. And for No Peak, technically, even though there's not a likelihood that No Peak would survive a fallout like this. 
Concur. PJ, you, you look brutally I mean, sad. This, all, all of these like <laughs> contingency plans and everything that they're planning, everything that they're going through, it, it feels so solemn and almost like futile <laughs> to a certain degree. Like there's just an unsurmountable pressure of like the mountains, the bigger clan, they have more money. They're going to steamroll us and like trying to grapple with, we're still going to do this. And I still need to place contingency plans and like succession plans and things like that. It it just feels so frustratingly futile. I don't know. And obviously, like, we know that there's a really big turn at the end of this book, but even so, they're they're the underdogs, totally. And this culture of honor and and fighting to the to the last drop is the only thing keeping everything going, for better or worse. Cool. Love it. What else are they going to do? Just like lie down and kill themselves? <laughs> I mean, Blonde, surrender. I, I, I have then this theoretical question. You can't surrender. That I forgot to pose like a chapter ago. Do you think Lon would have surrendered? Do you think Lon would have given himself up at this point? 100%. If well, presented I don't with know, the same because that means lived? the death of his whole family. It doesn't, though, because they were setting up a merger. If he, if he, if that's it, the whole thing Doru yeah. was trying to do was set up a merger, and I think Lon would have gone for it. If it saves his family, hundred yeah. percent, he would have gone for it. Yeah, Shay thought so at this too. Point, and it was a surrender where everyone died. I don't think he would have done it. Right. True. But yeah. wasn't I just want to make sure that we we haven't walked out of Lon's shadow yet necessarily because there is always that like lingering. What would Lon do in the background of a lot of these? No, it's what would Bijan do. <laughs> You like Baijin? What would Baijin do? Um, Come back from the dead. Yeah, that's what Lon's gonna do, motherfucker. <laughs> Lon's not built for that. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, he's just fucking Barrow, chilling and in if heaven. He does. Barrow he's six feet underground. Casket. He can't do fuck all from there. Guy's chilling. Barrow honestly, he's playing chess. Superman flies out, <laughs> goes and yeah. recharges he just in grabs the sun. Jade. Goes, uh, yeah. <laughs> goes full immortal. Oh no! <laughs> Love that. Love that. All right. Sorry. That was my side tangent that I've been holding in for a while. Yeah. I thought that in this chapter, the vows were very interesting. And I have a... As someone of whom is actively working on helping compose a whole wedding ceremony for PJ, god damn it. This is... It is interesting to see this stuff, like, in different cultures. Between this, Shrinking, and a couple of other movies tv shows books that i've been reading and like going through wow it was it was cool to see this and to like get kind of a a visual picture you you never think about the construction of a ceremony and i loved this you could just this pj yep we could just do this do you want to do that yeah get kaylin in on the call real quick (laughs) so i do have perfect i have them here I will practice humility, putting my beloved before myself, expecting no praise or reward, for now we are joined in all things. I will practice compassion, giving gratitude for my beloved, suffering when they suffer, for now we are joined in all things. I will practice courage, protecting my beloved from harm, facing all fears from within or without, for now we are joined in all things. 
I will practice goodness, offering freely of myself to my beloved, honoring and caring for each other in body and soul, for now we are joined in all things. I make this pledge to you and you alone under the eyes of the gods in heaven from this moment until the last one of my life. So, obviously they recite this. They have the nice, a Ken comes, ties their hands together, they take the shot of Hochi, and Hilo reflects on the sort of... Yes. Hilo reflects on the conflicting nature of being of his vows to the clan and his wife. Mm, yeah, that I is. found this very, very interesting because the wedding that I just went to like a week ago, their unity ceremony was taking a shot together. <laughs> <laughs> They're cut KK. Kind of <laughs> it wasn't Hoji, but he does bring up in this chapter like that you can never be fully committed to your family or to your wife when you have taken oaths to right. It does undercut some of that. Yeah. So it's, he's taking these oaths, but he's already committed in, uh, you know, ceremonial marriage to his brothers. So, you know, it's like, I, you know, I, I promise to love you till I die, which is tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And then also dying for the clan. Yeah, and the right. offering for himself freely to his beloved, but he also has, he's promised to someone's else. Yeah. So. Um, that's an interesting point to bring up, though. The male-dominatedness of this whole clan. We know there's a decent number of women Greenbones. And, like, even in Andon's class, we know there are women there. and There's a few. It's it's unbalanced. It's, like a, it's not. It's unbalanced. 30. Like there's yeah. definitely more men, but there's like Kilo still just refers to them as brothers or men <laughs> most of the time. Call mm-hmm. Shay his weather and, man still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true too. It's I don't know. I I don't have enough information to make like a really detailed, thoughtful sort of dissertation on it, but. It is, it is definitely male-skewed in a way that I wasn't ex- expecting because of how close Shay is to Hilo in this, in this moment. So we learn a few times throughout this that traditionally, it seems, you know, their green bones were men. And then even I, at the time when Ait Mata was sent to school, it was like rare for a woman to be a, sent to the training academies and to be trained in the ways of a green bone. Uh, make when, or not, not make when, sorry, call Rhea. The mother was just trained enough to be able to tolerate being in the presence of other green of green bones. So it's like an evolving thing of okay. women becoming green bones and serving on the military side of the clan. It seems like that's how I, what I and took away from it. the vernacular just hasn't quite caught up. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, we do see Hilo when he's still born, sort of consciously trying to bring a woman along when he goes to the Chrome demons. He had one of the fingers that he's trying to see if they could make it as a fist is, a woman, Greenbone. Mm-hmm. So I also I don't know if that helps anything. It's just it is. It seems to be an evolving thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sorry to derail. I was just uh, kind of I I had been thinking about that all week. <laughs> I think it's very valid to be thinking yeah. about, especially in this this chapter. Then we get sexy times. I don't like that you phrased it that way. It's it's a very serious, intimate <laughs> moment. Crossland, but I'm sorry, yeah, it was, it was an intimate. Oh, moment. This so guy. Then we get banging. <laughs> they straight <laughs> oh, give it. Uh oh. 
<laughs> off the rails. Bonk, bonk, bonk. Did you say fuck Gerald? No, I said it's off the rails. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, off the rails. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I heard fuck Gerald, Gerald, which is... It's He's not, not going to get it. Not anymore. Gerald. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't really have any many notes on the moment, just that it was... My main note was that it's uh, that night is what Hila wanted to remember if he were to die. That's what he wanted his last thought to be. And I, even though he has a secret plan, I still think he's planning to die. I would agree. Like he's fully like committed to like, okay, like there's no way I'm making out, you know, he's, he's walking into a death trap and, and mm-hmm. is untested. He's like, well, this works. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I think Ooh, yeah. the, the whole the whole day it's somber and everyone knows it. That's why everyone's sad and mopey at the dinner table. Is this that's the next one? Mm-hmm. But everyone knows that Hilo's you know giving in to death. So I have a, it's a sad wedding. I have a question that just occurred to me. So the witnesses are Ken and Shay, right? So then Tar is there at the yep. lunch, dinner, New Year's thing the next day, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering. I was remembering yeah. correctly. Yeah, yeah. Tor is out of the hospital. He's just. Yeah, no, yeah, that's long ago. Know. I just, I wasn't sure if he was on like a secret mission or anything. No, they probably just needed to, one witness for a, each. Yeah, and there was lantern, just. A lantern yeah. man? He's the pillarman. With special skills. Pillar He's a pillarman. Pillarman. Yep. All right. With that. Let's talk about chapter 53, Brothers in Arms, which includes our pillarman for a brief moment at that dinner table. So Andon contemplates his trials and called Dushran Academy preparing to graduate and gets to share a great meal that feels modest in comparison to the more lavish ones on other occasions and previous New Year's dinners. Colson continues down his path of dementia, of which I'm sure we'll have a lot to say and kind of talk about over the course of this week. But Andon ends up leaving the dinner with Hilo when asked and swears his oaths directly to the pillar, in which we, for the first time, hear all of the Greenbone oaths. What was your guys' take on Andon's reaction to the trials themselves? Over School it. gets summed up in like a pace. <laughs> Senioritis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's very much done with it Senior i feel like it's like great I, yeah I'm the best one who cares <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's obviously more things to worry about than yeah he's got a lot going on in his mind and yeah he does have a I case was, of of the senior oh this is not right now never mind are you thinking about the graduation day that actually happens later because no, these thinking- two do kind of about before Slotted. graduation, like the community service that he has to miss because he's in the hospital. Oh, yeah, that's that's a different component. Yes, yep. we'll get there. Yeah, I think the trials, it's interesting because the book has done, Jade City does a very good job of like kind of giving us enough glimpses into Andon's life as a student. And then we kind of get this just sort of almost, I, I love the senioritis. I, I can't, I was going to say like, it's an avoir of like uncaring, whatever, but senioritis <laughs> is a way better picture and entirely accurate. Cause it's like, I don't give a shit. I do better than We've everyone else. I'm way better it. at channeling. Yeah. Now. <laughs> I can deflect it. Like I have great deflection now because I practiced and like he recognizes like what a couple of different things have done to him based on his finding experience with Hilo and like why he did that in the end. Um, it's interesting. I think 
that is interesting too because he like he's like in this moment he's like he understood it stands it and then later on he thinks of it as Hilo beating him for the fun of it in a later chapter which is weird he's yeah yes there's still some conflict around what those sparring matches meant to Hilo mm-hmm. versus what they meant to Andon which again is one of the reasons that I love this series so much is the dynamic perspectives on people mm-hmm. We'll talk about it at the end with Call Sen, but man, that's one of the reasons that this is so well written to me. Do we know if Fonda Lee is planning on writing within this universe anymore? She said this is an intended trilogy with a series of short stories that are getting released this year. Okay. There's a prequel novella, and so far as we're aware, that's it. And so, she's since moved on to a couple of other projects. I don't know anything about what the prequel might be about. There's a lot of cool things that it could be. I would love either a prequel of Shay and Hilo's time at the Academy or an Ender's Shadow yeah. like parallel novel of Andon's time at the Academy. With who? Like I want to see like what they're actually doing in training. Like what what they're doing to become trained fighters like this we get like lot lots point of view watching and just kind of dominate everything jade shards which is the short story the four short stories that are going to come out this fall we'll come back together and we'll we'll talk about them as a group but i'll I'll give you a little hint that 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 is basically one of them all right so you you nailed one of the four not that i haven't read it yet thomas doesn't want to come back i just i don't like it being assumed that i'm coming (laughs) back that's all Oh, you're gonna come back. <laughs> I just I have a whole thing where Thomas it's has like plans. it's like you shouldn't expect people to do things, but people should do things for one another. But it shouldn't be expected. That's all. It's a different thing. Sure, I'll do it myself. But y'all are welcome to come if you want. That's it's unrelated to the present thing. That was a unre- <laughs> different. P- thing. PJ will be guilted into it regardless. Everyone else is invited. Actually. Thank you. I pre- see now I'm in. <laughs> all right, there we go. And it's over. Yeah. Keep, keep. There's bigger things to worry about, you know, and I'm sure the other students are also like, he's freaked out by Jade at this point too. I feel like, and he gets even more freaked out. Well, yeah, I think he's always been worried about getting the Mitches, Yeah, but I bet the other students are over it too, because like, you know, their parents are dying in the war and their uncles (laughs) and, you know, that it's is like, true. Now I'm stuck in the school. Can I just go like be with my family? I'd be like, I'm switching my major. <laughs> not going into yeah. the gang. <laughs> I'm going to be a teacher. It must also be so surreal during the trials to be doing that like simulated combat, knowing that in, you know, trials are here two to three bullets. weeks later, you're going to be doing it for real. <laughs> yeah. Right. Very, very yeah. scary. Also, because so, I fucked us up. I, I'm very excited. Good. It's I think it's Lote, right? Not Lot. And I I said Lot, and then I got to say that it's Lote. Yep. Lote. Lote. Yeah, Lote yeah, Gen. That is the one benefit, or one of the many benefits of the audiobook. I think that the audiobook narrator actually does a really good job this week, especially re- reading between the lines on a couple of things. We'll get there when I want to talk about it. But we, we move to Carl Sennington being an absolute dick to Anton as he shows up for the dinner. And it's interesting because it's also punctuated with the fact that he is very confident that this is not the man that he knew. So there is something 
I think that this bit of dementia or like the end of end of life for these people is so well written and interesting. There's definitely some like scratchings of reality at the back of his mind, but man, it does genuinely feel like he was a very he probably was a very different person in life. Mm-hmm. Not entirely though, because even the perspective we get from Hilo is differing from Shades, of course. Yeah, so I I think I disagree. I think mm. what the man that Andon knew was always addled with dementia. Whereas like in the previous section. What? I don't think so. What? Well, in the previous <laughs> he, section he where, where it here that he's not. He knew Carlson is being absolutely like obstinate and a dick. And he let Doru go and gave Doru his yeah. jade. Like, that Hilo talks about being like the most true to form that his grandfather's been in a long time, frustratingly. Mm. And this feels more in line with that. That does get to like maybe the honest talk perspective of it, but I don't. Okay, so there's something to be said about the quiet truths that people keep like underneath, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like. There's this cordiality that happens, maybe potentially going down your path, right? There's maybe a cordiality that he has with Andon because he knows how powerful he is. And so he's willing to bring him into the family, but he does hold these sort of undertones in the back of his head and they're just coming out now. I'm not sure that I land on your side entirely, but I can see it. Okay. I I think it's a balance. I I think this shows that Carlson was much less of a dick to Andon because he saw like the promise and talent and he knew that he came from a powerful bloodline, although, you know, cursed or whatever, unlucky. Um that pulled you that Carlson, effect. <laughs> Carlson like showed and in kindness when he was a young boy. And that was like, oh, that was nice. I you know, you don't hear a lot about Carlson being nice. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of Shay and Andon's perspectives, they're the two and Lon to some degree. But but then he kind of shits all over that. Well, I think yeah. that's the dementia. Yeah. He's like lost. He doesn't have. He barely has like two stones of jade. And he's in a real bad mood all the time. There's also the yeah. question of the public call send versus the private call send because if I'm remembering correctly, he tells Andon that he told Lon that when Lon asked to bring Andon into the family. And then, so Hilo here says, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, you know, Jade does stuff to old people. The itches are setting in like he didn't mean it. But Hilo earlier thinks that Carl Sen is becoming more himself and that like the dementia is just him losing the facade. Because obviously, you know, Carl Sanders That's how I kind of read whole it. Life. Yeah, I kind of read it more like this is naturally he's becoming more, more natural yeah, and less of like anymore. the quote-unquote torch of Gitkan. You know, because that seems like a public persona and he's got to uphold that persona, but now that none of that matters and now he's just being an, an old dick that's kind of what he always was yeah yeah so it's kind of it's like it's like closeted hate yeah. you know to some degree and then it just comes out because you no longer have those barriers up in whatever form they were maintained before because of old age that makes sense i think i i think i've been aligned with your side i think i was 
I was more pro Paul Sen in these chapters and these moments because of Shane Andon's perspective. But I think you're right. I think it's their perspective is a little bit warped versus reality. It's the way that they were treated at the time versus he glows. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think that's one of the great strengths of this book though, is that you do have these differing perspectives truly on the characters and the way that they interplay with each other forms a full picture of who someone actually is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly always had this capacity for wickedness uh to some degree so cool he's a dick he's a dick push him off him off the pier period throw him into the water we don't need him to call in dr kevorkian he's a dick yeah was anyone skeptical of what hilo was doing in this moment when he pulls on andy for what comes next no I wasn't skeptical so much as I was just wondering what they were up to. It's like there clearly is some kind of sure. plan. Yeah, I, I didn't feel that right. way. I was I more leaning on that plan. Way. Really? I came in blind. Hmm. I'll tell you what. First time, didn't realize there was a plan. Made it all the way through the chapter where it all happens. Went, what? And then I went back and reread 53 <laughs> after 54 happened and went, oh. <laughs> I thought there was a plan. I I figured Andon would be doing, you know, something. Uh, I didn't yeah. think it was that plan. <laughs> I didn't think it would yeah, be Yeah, I didn't uh, think it was level. like, go fucking Become full Dr. Manhattan like, and yeah. start, like, <laughs> blowing people up. But <laughs> Finger gunning them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, going into it, going into 54, I figured Andon had, like, a, a couple bracelets or something yeah. of loose jade that he was just going to strap on not just take all of helos do you think you did feel like because of the what'd you say thomas <laughs> no I, do you think when he put on he drabs helos jade Freebird just started playing and he was like <laughs> what does uh dr jing gray turn into phoenix he turned into yeah. dark phoenix he did mm-hmm the green phoenix nice the greenix the jade phoenix yeah <laughs> that would be sick like imagine it's an interesting jade phoenix emblem book series. that would be a sick necklace that's what i would that's how i would do my jade now mm. next up the poppy war so <laughs> that was a joke just for me because i'm the only <laughs> one like, here who's what? read the poppy war i can't even <laughs> read <laughs> never mind i thought of the uh, wizard of i Oz. have it i have it right there <laughs> I know we're reading it in June. Anyone is welcome to join right the short poor episodes. It's going to be fun. We're going to do the whole book in an episode. Cool. cool so cool, cool. I did want to read the oath here just to compare the oaths between the two. Right. So the final oath that Andon reads says the claim is my blood and the pillar is its master. I have been chosen and trained to carry the gift of the gods for the good and protection of the people and against all enemies of the clan, no matter their strength or numbers. I join myself to the fellowship of Jade Warriors freely and with my whole being, and I will call them my brothers in arms. Should I ever be disloyal to my brother, may I die by the blade. Should I ever fail to come to the aid of my brother, may I die by the blade. Should I ever seek personal gain at the expense of my brother, may I die by the blade. Under the eyes of all of the gods in heaven, I pledge this. On my honor, my life, and my jade. And this is so fucking cool that this oath that has been so integral to so much of the story and the loyalty that we see between characters 
is exposed so close to the end. Mm -hmm. So like we know that there's this like quiet, you know, law in the background, Aisho and whatnot that governs the the war here in a lot of ways and the loyalty and the respect. But it is fascinating that it isn't until four chapters until the end that we get it. It's nice to finally hear it. Yes. In a very powerful moment where we're like Andon's doing it early. Pre-grad. And for some reason that we're... And, I mean, Andon, he is pledging his life because this is also a plan where most likely they will both die. That's what I was thinking, too, is like, this is like... Death sentence for both of them. I know. They're both kind of accepting, like, he's really... I was, like, surprised kind of in that moment that Andon was, like, so ready to die. Or willing, you know? I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's accepting it yeah. right now. Yeah. This is his choice to accept this decision. I was like, okay, Andon. You're too young. He's really sad, though, so no, <laughs> no surprises there. <laughs> sad boy Andon, still sad boy. The way, still very sad. The way that oath ends with, on my honor, my life, my jade, I wonder what you all think is the most important part of that that they're swearing on. Like, is it their honor, the most important part of that pledge, the, their life, or their jade? Probably their jade, but Andon didn't even have jade, so probably his life. <laughs> <laughs> I think those things, those three things are all intertwined. Like, they're putting mm-hmm. them up for, you know, they're on the chopping block, basically, so they're willing to give up all of those things, and they're all kind of equally tied together because they all feed into each other. Their honor is their jade and their life is tied to their jade and the way they wield it. And if they lose their life, then they lose their jade. They lose their honor. You know, it's, I think it's the three things. I don't think there's one specific thing that they're holding above the other ones. Cause they're all kind of representative of what they're putting on the line. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I could put it a better way. I totally agree. It's a brutal end that leads into our climax. And I'm so excited. Chapter 54. Be like Baijian. Andon and Hilo made their way to the twice lucky for the showdown with Dot Ash and the Mountain Clan. Ostensibly, Hilo is going to hand himself over more or less for execution with the chance to die honorably for his clan. While Andon is there to observe that everything is proper. Hilo is to have his death of consequence and leaps into battle against several top fists of the mountain clan with his talon knife. After killing several mountain fighters and launching the rest into a fury, Dont rises to give Hilo his warrior's death as agreed upon. But the pair struggle briefly before Hilo is overwhelmed and Andin enacts Nopeet's true plan, taking most of Hilo's jade and becoming a green god, extinguishing the life from the remaining mountain fighters, Dont included, and then blacking out. Hell yeah. Best chapter of the book. I so let me say, totally. I was very excited that they broke out this way that I got to do this chapter. I um <laughs> I was pumped for you. Yeah, because okay. I've been keeping this very close to the vest. I fucking love Hilo. And that is all I will say. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan now. Uh and it's a little scary though. This yeah. was exciting. <laughs> this was exciting, like right away for me, because it's like as soon as it started, you're kind of realizing that the setup is to get to Gaunt and like that they're going t- for 
taking out Gaunt. And so I was like, oh shit. I was like, because you know, in the pl- in the chapter before, I'm like, okay, we've got some kind of plan. I don't know what the plan is. I don't know how this is going to go. But there's clearly like some kind of plan going. And then as this starts developing, you're like, oh shit, they're trying to take out Gaunt Ash. I really hope they can pull this off. And then as it develops, they do, but it ends up like being this incredibly scary, terrifying moment from sweet little sad boy and just like extinguishing lives <laughs> he's like it was it was horror it's the worst thing he went through and he wants to do it again yeah. as easy as snuffing out the lives of mice yeah like he says he draws that same comparison just as easy especially because like we got it's just the whole thing where like bulls would be impressive and expensive the expensive i guess doesn't matter in this context but just like the whole it would be cool to see them doing into bulls and he's just fucking snap in his fingers essentially dudes <laughs> yeah. are dropping like flies lives. Yeah. it's so yeah crazy. so it was like extremely exciting and it got amped up immediately when i was like oh okay we're fucking taking out gaunt and then you're like how they do it you're like oh shit this is on an even higher level now of oh shit <laughs> because like it's not that they just took out gaunt it's now that they've like unleashed kind of this giant scary power that's inside of Andon. So where's that going to go? I mean, and it potentially ruins Andon because yeah. they don't, he doesn't, you know, get Jade in a controlled way. <laughs> he just gets blasted. There's a lot to talk about it. there. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. I have a few comments on this. Does it seem like they expected this to be a suicide mission? I think, in particular, the way that they address the Duchesse Prisa and the way that he's driving it is like, dude, you've got yeah. this moment to ride in this monster. Yeah. Ride it like you mean it. Yeah. And instead, he's driving it with all kinds of caution because he's stressed and nervous about other things. Like, I should have been with the yeah. ball. Yeah. <laughs> and all the fear coming note. from Andon in the back. Like, yeah. I, they don't really address what they were feeling going into it after the fact knowing what happened because helo's calm but yeah i think and we have helo's perspective i would imagine the plan was just to kill gaunt ash and then whoever helo is able to kill before that i don't think they knew Andon would be able to do what he does i think yeah they were just like suit like we gotta kill this guy and then they would assume i mean they don't know they don't have the full scout and report how many guys gaunt's got with them all that stuff so I don't think it was necessarily like guaranteed we fucking die here, but they definitely went in with the assumption it was likely. Yeah, I think they were ready to die, but hopeful that that they would be able to execute the plan. Yeah, and Hilo says like he's ready to die, that. but doesn't want to die. So I think they were planning to die, but they weren't planning for Andon to be able to. Um, take on any more than Gaunt. So they were just planning to kill Gaunt and then like the rest of the mountain would kill them, basically. So I think th- it was a suicide mission. So the surprise was that Andon, you know, could take all of Gaunt's life energy and then push it back out and like blast everybody. So I do think the whole time it was like, we're both, we're both going to die no matter what. Okay. I can so, happy totally accident. 
that Anjan <laughs> can pew 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 with his fingers. Machine gun. Do you think he's actually pointing his fingers, or do you think it's like in his head? No, it's or he's like more reaching mental. out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pew pew. <laughs> I mean, and you in, die. In my... And you die. <laughs> I mean, that would be. More cool. It also makes sense with the way that that kind of like surge of power went, right? It's a sort of overwhelming energy. So it could be like kind of a just him individually reaching out and snuffing out people's lives and kind of smiling the whole time in a very grim way. Very and it could scary. be that. But I think that it was more of a wave and a wash, if that makes sense, rather than like individually mm-hmm. targeting, and, but still and smiling the whole time. He's all, They're also both lucky that the rest of the mountain ran off. Because he had, he, he had like one more big surge and then he collapsed and they, they could have both easily then been killed if the rest of the mountain hadn't ran off. Shocked Une didn't die in this moment, to be honest, or like any of the staff weren't killed in the interim. Like that's, that's the thing to me yeah, that shows the that there was a little sh- bit of control. Yeah. Straight out like a, is it a baseball diamond or is it like a circle? I thought you know? circular, I- but yeah. Well, he didn't hit Hilo, though, who's behind right. him. I, had, I think that's why he has targeted control. Like, he's yeah. got some. I thought it was more just, he has a range, but it's <laughs> it's very much focused at specific life essences yeah. to a certain degree. Yeah, I thought he was, like, picking people he's out. He's not like an atomic bomb blast yeah. that spreads right. out. Anyways, yeah. so yeah. I To sum up, I think they were both planning to die, which is the extra fear that you saw in Andon. And if that's the case, which I agree with, I think that makes total sense how this like relates to his response to the graduation ceremony. And I know we're not there yet, but like that, that is totally a perspective shifting moment and like a, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No question. Well, and I like I said, I think the amount of jade he took in and the amount of Gaunt's supersized life source blasting back into him, I think it it ruined him with Jade. Like I think if they if he was able to take on Jade more normally, he wouldn't have been as scared of it. But now he's like totally fucked. He's like kind of what happened to Lon. He's like broken inside and needs to heal. So by rights, is he is he entitled to the jade of all of these high ranking fists and the horn of Mountain Clan's jade? Yeah. All the ones he killed, yeah. Which is almost everybody. Most of them. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Hilo kills it's all the like, I mean, think Hilo killed yeah, four or five, yeah. But Andon kills the the or the mountains, like he he kills Gaunt Ash, mm-hmm. which is probably pretty comparable to Hilo in the amount of jade that he wears, plus a bunch of other fists. Like there has to be an absolutely insane amount of jade that he came into. Do we know though? So. The makes are nearby. They swoop in, take them to the hospital or whatever. Do we know if the mountain reclaim the dead mountain's bodies or not? Was, sure, that's a good know, question. We for don't know what happened to the jade. 
I was really a- expecting, I, I mentioned this to Thomas earlier. I was really expecting at the graduation ceremony, there to be a giant box of all of the Jade to be like presented to, <laughs> to Andon. Like that's what I thought was going to happen. But it's not mentioned where all that Jade really went, which is away. suspicious to me <laughs> because they took so much care to make sure to let us know that they're so careful and like methodical and like intensely focused on looting the jade from the green bones that they kill. And in the last several chapters and the last couple sections for sure, they just haven't been mentioning it. And I don't know if that's just cut for time or for readability, or if there's just so much happening that they don't need to focus on it. But I was kind of surprised that that wasn't taken into like verbal consideration for, for the reader's sake, because it is that kind of dangling of in my eyes. Wasn't happening. Hmm? The, the loss of jade over the course. The of- looting oh. of the jade. Mm. Oh, in this moment. In this moment, and like the previous like fighting. That's happened. oh no. I, the previous fighting was mostly accounted for by if in fifty one. From Shay's perspective, she talks a little bit about what's been going on in the scenes. They've been gradually okay. losing Jade, so they've been losing the foothold that they have, mm-hmm. which is why Hilo then leans in and says, we've been losing this war, but you've been winning the the other fights, right? And so it's like, we've been bleeding out the Jade that we have as a group, and so we barely have enough to even get the graduates through, and it's you know right. yeah. a whole yeah. complicated issue. Yeah, yeah. And so, may- maybe we don't know what this, happened. Maybe we don't know what happened here with Gaunt's shade and his right. fists and fingers. Maybe we find out later. Or we got two more books. We mm-hmm. don't know. Maybe they all had poison jade. Like they definitely picked all that jade up. Like someone had <laughs> to have. Oh yeah. Maybe Mr. Unes. Mr. Unes holding it. We did get way fucking out ahead of our skis here. We have a whole lot of chapter left to talk about <laughs> that we just skirted over. So one of the jerk, cool things jerk. about this chapter to me is that like, it opens pretty casually. We get the nice little bit about Andin getting driving lessons from Lon back in the day and then being scared to drive the uh, Grand Duke Duchesse as Cross brought up already. And then a nice little like, you tried the crispy squid balls bit with Don Ash remarked about <laughs> how good, good <laughs> our guy, Mr. Une, fucking nice on the sticks making up this food. Both horns love this place. <laughs> I eat them almost every day, yeah. Gaunt Ash says. He looks like, I'm and, and jealous. And that is one of those moments that is nailed in the audiobook. Like, it is said with so much spite mm-hmm. and just <laughs> delivered brilliantly. Now, that's where I think our narrator shines. Mm-hmm. They they sound so good. Artificer in the live chat says, those sound delicious. They really do. They, they do. sound so fucking good. I really want like, to try them. It's got to be like calamari, right? But maybe mashed up or something like that yeah that's all yeah, like, like yeah sort of like a crab cake but for squid and a crab it's like a calamari squid. chicken nugget yes <laughs> oh amazing yeah i need maybe it. like a hush puppy gross. vibe love it yeah mm-hmm. mr une if you're listening send us some <laughs> do they dip it in ranch because then i'm in i know you would be in i had i had <laughs> calamari with soul. like a sweet chili sauce and it was so good so I'm it's imagining so that's, that's like, what you do. This has got to be tremendous. Mm-hmm. Anyway, deep fried squid balls are a thing. Hey, yeah. all right. They're Taiwanese. It looks like Japanese. Maybe. I'm yeah. gonna, there's a lot of a lot of variations. It looks to be. I want to make them. I, I want to do it. 
I don't think Kalen will like me no. butchering squid in the kitchen. <laughs> they're on a yeah. skewer. So it's so easy. Anyway, they're on yep. a skewer, and they look to me. They look a lot like hush puppies, hmm. Hmm. but right. like chopstickable. Yeah, hush puppies. Yeah, they had them on a skewer, and there was like, mm. okay. I think back to the yeah interaction <laughs> the after the chapter discussing um, their culinary th- preferences. Well, I think. I think this again goes back to like when Hilo met Aitmada, like all of the real communication is not spoken. It's like in the auras. So then there's a lot of the anecdotal, there. like, you know, and be a little goofy chat. Like they've already been like, fuck you, fuck mm-hmm. you, bro. <laughs> we'll fuck you up, you know? Yeah. But not out loud. Yeah. There's you a lot stole of- my squid balls. <laughs> to die there's a lot of the quiet things said loudly here loud things said quiet depending on which way you read the scene Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm i'm misframing this a bit but there's helos it's not passive aggressive but it's not like full-on aggressive either but this like this is fucked up dude like you should be dueling me right now i don't like i should be having a clean bladed duel and you're gonna feed me to these butchers and again sort of that gaunt ash is maybe not breaking aisho here but Definitely, as he has been this whole time, skirting Aisho again and again during this war. And there's like a really great section here I'm going to read. Oh, fuck. My document went all the way back up top. Here we are. Get your keyboard out. It's up. (laughs) Gaunt paced forward slowly like an advancing lion. His voice was a cautious growl. If this were a dispute of personal honor, the two of us would have matched clean blades long ago, called Jen. This is clan war. We are horns who must do what we do for our clans to prevail. Is that not so? He circled Hilo, measuring him with deep set eyes. I must admit, I did not expect you to come. I assumed I'd have to cut my way through every last green bone and no peak to get to you. You still want a duel? I'll give you one right here and now, Hilo said, following the enemy horn around with his eyes and perception. Gaunt gave a low, snorting chuckle. That wasn't the offer. I'm not so selfish as to risk the outcome of a war in a single duel. He stopped in front of Hilo, his broad frame casting a large shadow across the space between them. Pick up between them. We both know the mountain will defeat no peach in the end. Why let your loyal followers throw their lives away for you? Why dried out the suffering of the city we both care for? If I were in your position, I would think to the selfless example of Baijin. So, Gaunt, reprehensible dude. Really fucking cool at the same time. Let's be real. <laughs> and scary. Good speech. Or good, good speech. Good. Good. Good speech. speech. Speak real good. <laughs> good. Good speech, dude. Man can do words well. Unlike me. And this gives Hilo the opportunity to clap back mm. when he's like, "Bison came our... back from the dead." Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's. It is. This is an intense scene by all accounts. I mean, tensions are super high in general. We've talked a lot about sort of breaking Aisho. What is the definition or like what what are the terms of Aisho? Because to me, it felt like the peacetime understanding between tribes and and their like the the way that the clans interact with each other in peacetime. I feel like maybe Aisho doesn't come into play when they're actively at war. I'll, I'll give you this. 
in my head in the first book, I equated or at this point in recompense, I would equate I show to your understanding of the Pirates Code in the Pirates of the Cur- Cur- Caribbean movies. God, I couldn't say it for a second. Parley. Parley, right? So it's this idea of this unwritten but codified set of laws that exist. But you don't necessarily know all of them at this point and like how they all mm-hmm. interact. But you're you're getting a good picture based on the way that the world is actually portraying them back to you. So is is this like the Pirates clo- Code or is this like the Geneva Convention? What's the difference? Somewhere between the two. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm trying to give a, you know, because I mean, the same Geneva thing, Convention would very much directly relate to how warfare can be conducted, isn't it? Like, but Bushido? this feels more like Pirates Code, where it's maybe doesn't really matter that much if two pirates are at war with each other. Well, they're they're not breaking. There's no moment here that breaks I show. No, I know. I not right here, but in yeah. No, I general. Know. Just kind of the the tensions and the potential it's more of a for mutual it respect, being I would okay. call it. It's it's closer to like a, a respectful code of conduct in a lot of ways. But the layers in which those codes relate to each other is not fully transparent at this point. I'll say it does get it is. I think it's well displayed without codifying it here. Too many mm-hmm. rules to just like recant, you know. All of it. I was going to say about the quote that Thomas just read that Gaunt is being very ridiculous when he's saying like, why let your loyal followers throw away their lives? Why not be like Baijin? Because it's like, that is why he's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he is being like, he's like, yeah, that's why I'm here. So Gaunt's like scolding him a little bit, but he's like, I am being like Baijin. Yeah. It's also like, like, because it took so long. (laughs) John's about to have his loyal followers throw their lives away fighting. Yeah, like giving Hilo the death (laughs) of consequence. And he's like, hey, man, you should really be more like the guy who sacrificed himself. Right. It's hypocritical. I will say that I don't think that Gaunt owes him like a duel, though. No, and I think it, it does show good on Gaunt that he's like, I don't think so highly of myself to like you know, put the whole war on right. my ego. Well, the war's already been won at this like at yeah, this point, exactly. basically. Like they both know the outcome. It's just like this is about saving us all time and trouble. Yeah. It's very pragmatic. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, I think by and large, Gaunt is the better man right now. And I, I don't I don't mean that pejoratively. And I love I fucking adore Hilo. But Gaunt is doing exactly what's required of him, requested of him in the he's moment. Being he's being successful efficiently. He's successful. Mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah. marching. Being a good man is when you cut guys' to. arms off to deliver messages. Heard it here first. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Cross I, is I'm brutal. Not, <laughs> not saying it's the right thing to do. I just mean comparatively. He's he's doing exactly what he needs to. We're just comparing to groups that have lower moral codes have very distinct moral codes than what we would evaluate. And so it's interesting to see these fight because I do agree with Hilo's move entirely, but it's not like Gaunt's doing the wrong thing. He's just on the losing side. And not our perspective. Yeah. And this is mobster shit. Cutting arms off, sending heads in boxes. The Aiden thing is fucked up. I'm not gonna lie. 
Aiden Aiden is messed up compared to anything that the no, that No Peak did. So we know delivering about. a head. Yeah, I mean he does all this like other psychological delivered. warfare to try to yeah. unnerve them. He's, no he's trying to stop the violence. Well, he's trying to get Hilo to do what he's doing right now. So he's like, so Hilo's like, dude, that was fucked up with Aiden, and Gon's like, well, it worked. Yeah. He likes yeah. trying to stop his violence. It doesn't make it less read. fucked up, though. <laughs> well, like he's not okay, trying to stop the violence. He's trying to, to win the own. war, yes. But he's not trying to be like, right, oh, right, this right. violence, I can't tolerate it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, when that story has <laughs> delivering the head of an ally to somebody stopped the violence. No, no, no. It always makes it worse. I'm not, I'm not saying it stops the violence, but everyone's trying to either prevent or put a nail in the coffin one way or another. Like That is such right, a ratchet it, up of, of like intensity. Yeah, it's, it's the nail in the coffin. That's, that's more what I'm Well, it's like I understand. what Thomas was speaking to. It's more psychological effect. Like he's trying to provoke something like one way or the other out of Hilo. He, he is trying to get him to have a response in some way that is different than prolonging the war and and so in that type of way it's like yes he does this horrible thing to one man with the idea that it's going to like benefit the city as a whole the country as a whole like it's going to save in the end more people's lives like that's I guess his angle but he's willing to do the extremely fucked up thing to get to that point it's I don't know debatable but yeah. I think that's his outlook or his perspective is that yeah I'll do this one extremely fucked up thing to this dude or a couple dudes <laughs> cool. uh, because it's for the greater good yeah it's for the mountains greater good because here's the thing right yeah. the no peach has this huge cohort of kids coming up Shay, Hilo, Ken they're all going to get better at their jobs if the, as the war keeps going right so the mountain needs the war to end quickly and there's the Hilo's insurance policy as well that like if the war drags on the mountain will win eventually but they'll be essentially destroyed too it'll be the ultimate Pyrrhic Pyrrhic victory where both are just utterly weakened and so it's not like but know. then that also puts like the country and the city at you know in a terrible place because they mm-hmm. won't be protected by the clans and then that opens them up to foreigners coming in so then it's like that's the the next angle there is like mm-hmm. yes if we do fight this war to the end we'll both be ruined and then we're also going to be responsible for ruining KCON and fucking up the entire jade situation and letting our actual enemies the countries out there you know take advantage of of the take advantage of us i just didn't like the uh god's the better man in, in this moment from cross that's all you know, <laughs> so i'm lashing out i'm, I'm not up. trying to make sure i i understand i'm not trying to make it clear that he's a better man i'm trying to make sure that it's understood that he's a good man in comparison like in tandem in tangent we're dealing with bad people on either side of this we just prefer not a good one man he's a successful yeah. horn yeah. yes thank you Aaron. he's You're good right. at his yeah. job better call yes yes thank you i don't like um, god I, I, I would like to <laughs> point something out do it about the the conversation 
Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe it's a little bit later on than this conversation, but when Hilo is asking for like a warrior's death and to be killed by, and I quote, another horn. Does Hilo still consider himself the horn of No Peak? I think everyone does. Everyone Gaunt, else does. Gaunt says but it too. It seems to me that here Hilo does too, and that kind of cuts cuts my argument earlier down at the knees of like he's acting as Horn in the moments where he needs to because make Ken is a there moment yet, of but... intimidation. You know, it's a it's a moment of like calling it out. I don't think I don't think it's as. But also, who's to say, like, he was the horn, and so he's demanding a For horn's forever. death because yeah. he was one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's something to be said about both this, of those. The subtext of it, though, seemed very much like, I'm talking to you horn to horn here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. For sure. Yeah. He, he's trying to provoke Gaunt into being the one distracted and fighting, you know? Yeah. yeah. He does a good job getting under his skin, though. I feel yeah. like, yeah. Under his scary, scarred, sleeveless arms. Yeah. Should we talk about the duel? Not, yeah, not course. the duel, but Hilo kicked an ass. You know, let's call it what it is. Yeah. Shank, shank, shank. The talent the knife. Talent mm-hmm. knife. Finally getting described is so good here. A street this weapon. Idea of that. That thumb that he can like flick up and like roll around his hand whenever he needs to hold in different positions. Brilliant. Like yeah. a baton twirler in a yeah. band. It was good to see Hilo in action. I wish he would have even got a little more run before mm-hmm. he got like overwhelmed. Kicked down and overwhelmed. Yeah. But yes. It was great to see him in action. Seeing his steel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a very Thank interesting, you. like, and it's a new we're learning a new thing about Jade ability. That strength isn't just like your whole body or a whole region, but can be sort of pivoted all around like that. And that there's yeah, different he, facets. Someone of, like yeah. brings their strength up and then he cuts low and severs his. Yeah. I like how it tendon moves, or kind of like moves around. Yeah. Yeah. So like Gaunt so, is impenetrable, but Helos is just as notable for being very mobile, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that like upon analyzing it a little bit doesn't make a ton of sense to me they very intentionally didn't let Andin like take the jade from a helo when they were practicing because they didn't want to go through the like withdrawal and like the ups and downs of it so often because that takes a lot of energy out of you and that's an extreme case very obviously because like it was so much jade that he was dealing with but talon knives weapons that are imbued with jade inherently and by design the wielder is going in and out of control of that amount of jade and like it's comparably a lot smaller amount but it like i'm curious how that works and if they experience some sort of fatigue from like wielding and like dropping their talon knives in and out of combat probably I don't know. I th- I think it's pretty easy to read that against like at Andin's perspective of an exaggerated version of that, right? Like he is getting so much more. So there's something to be said about like it heightening in that moment and then with 
withdrawing, but it's not that big of a withdrawal, so they can manage it. But yeah, I, I think to your point, I think that's real. I think that's totally what it is. It is a cycle that they kind of go through where it's like it heightened in combat in the moment and then put it away. You don't need to draw it again. So it's not like you would draw a talon knife before a fight that often. You would draw it when you need to fight. You wouldn't hold it to threaten someone. You'd have it on your no, hip but to would threaten you, someone. Would you grab it if you need a heightened perception and need yeah, just a little bit more of yes. an edge? Right. You would. You would. Yes. Yeah. My point was more like it is, it's just like an accessible bonus that you'd pick up and pull out when you need it in various circumstances, but you wouldn't universally hold it. You'd pick it up for that edge mm-hmm. that it would give you sharpening. Okay. Yeah. Do we know if Moonblade also had Jade in it? Yes, the Moonblades traditionally do have Jade okay. in them. I don't remember. Can't is find the Moonblade like it's it's Samurai Sword? Is that what we're thinking? It's, it's more, yeah. 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 That's what I was getting out of that. Yeah, so the, the Moonblades do also have socketed Jade Stones in them. Yeah. Oh, man. The way that Anden melts these guys down into just a pile of mud. Nice. All right. The last thing I have for this chapter is obviously, and in the Green God, we see him a bunch, talked about it a bunch. Do we think anyone else should have done something similar to this? Or is it just because of that? Is it Om, our On heritage that he has from his mother's side, and then his Aspenian sensitivity to it? And his, like, I mean, as. Hilo even says early, early, early on in this book, you know, he's going to be a greenbone out of legend once he puts on his jade. So do we think anyone else should have played his part and done that or something similar? No, I, yeah, I, I think don't think so. This seems like a new recipe. Unique <laughs> yeah. Cross section of sensitivity and ability to control and Was training. A goat and a dragon. <laughs> goat and a yeah. tiger, right? Goat and a lion. Yeah. I, I think I his remember. he is in a very, very unique position, and they all see it. I think anybody else just unpromptedly taking on this amount of jade wouldn't be able to like control themselves and and act rationally in the way that he needs to in the moment. Like I, I think this is a very unique well, and situation. Yeah. He wasn't suspicious because they all know the relationship that he has with the calls mm-hmm. and you know, they would have been watching if a, one of the makes was there they would have been like right. you know suspecting he would do something but and in it made sense that he was there. So even without the like awesome power and cross-section that worked out really well for everyone like he also like played the part just as a little brother you know without jade so no one's no one's worried about him like it couldn't have been another even if there was another student that was as good as andon it would have been weird if that person was there you know well this just seems like something that's like not really been touched on before <laughs> like any green bone you know like it doesn't seem like yeah i don't know if they're out there like testing snuffing out lives like this yeah, yeah. i don't know this seems like a new Monster. level yeah a new level of power green goblin 
drew the comparison to Palpatine and like this is the most intense version of Palpatine that you could imagine in some ways. I call him Lightning Fingers. (laughs) You saw Lightning Fingers at Comic-Con. I did. I sent you a picture. Sheev? Really? Is that Malcolm McDowell? Oh no, it was just somebody is dressed up as him. Oh yeah, Ian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian McDermott or something like that. Ian McDermott, yeah. All right. Last question from me about this chapter. Seeing how everything played out, what the plan obviously was, do we think this was the right decision from Hilo to put Andin in this position? Mm. I think he didn't have a choice, but I think, <laughs> like I've said, it, it totally fucked him up. I was going to say, in hindsight... kind of ruined Andin. In hindsight, no, it was the wrong. It was the wrong decision. But what else? I mean, hmm. what else was he leading do? into it? Great decision. I was fully on board. I think, even given that Andin like hangs up his jade in the moment, I think it was still the right. I, I think this is the only way, conceivably, we no peak survives this like instance. Yeah, exactly. Like. If if Hilo goes there with anybody else, there's suspicion. Mm-hmm. If he goes there with nobody, he just dies. Yeah. Nothing good happens, comes out of either it. either way, the clan falls. Between a rock and a hard place. Right there. I think so. And I think it really it is the... I think it's Andin's sacrifice to a certain degree. At least in what we know so far. I think Andon's coming back at some point, but we don't know that yet. We're like at the end of the book. Um, He's gone to the I, dark I think side. this is Andon's swan song to a certain degree of wielding Jade. And it, it allows No Peak to continue surviving. So I, I don't think it was a mistake. I think it was the only option and Andon despite not dying to it, is still collateral. Yeah. Had to do it, but... I don't... It's just unintended consequences. Right. Nobody could have seen this coming. No, like, right, right. <laughs> just, exactly. Like, I think I, it's just like you had to go in and do this. Nobody knew Andon would like killing but people nobody so much. nobody knew that Andon was going to turn into a jade god. Like... <laughs> right. Murder. That escalated quickly situation, you know? Yeah. Quickly goes a step too far. Oof. All right. Well, that's our climax. We go into chapter 55. Not finished. After the violent confrontation in the Twice Lucky, we return to Andin in the hospital, being nursed back to health over the course of a week. Hilo is drained but alive after the confrontation and tells Andy of the success he's brought to the clan. He also informs him that he's been taking shine to wean back his fever and to bring him back to life. Yeah, shine, shine against your will. What the fuck? Yeah, there, there's definitely something there. I think that that is like this involuntary doping is definitely in question. But did, did the doctor have to do it to keep him alive? They, they kind of imply I like so. get his That's fever down. They had right, to do yeah. it. I but think Hilo could have done a better job. With Jay, with Jay. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go for it. No, I was just saying he lose way too. Hilo is way too relaxed about shine. 
He's like, it'll be fine. Everyone is he though? I, it's I not don't. A big deal. I don't know. Just take it, Andon. I didn't really get why Andon was freaking out about it. That seems like a pretty normal thing. Well, it's not Aaron, though. I'm... It's not a normal thing. That's why it's like, why is he so chill about it? I am mm. totally on your side, Aaron. With this, yeah. that's where I was going with this like, too. It, it felt yeah. so weird that Hilo was so nonchalant about the fact that they had been dosing him with shine. Despite like the idea that maybe this is a life-saving measure, he had that information that Andon was broken up about the idea, about the secret that he was holding, that Lon had been taking shine before his death. Like It, it could have so... I think that if Hilo approached this situation with more respect to what Andon had... like expressed about his feelings about shine it could have totally like changed the course of the rest of this book yeah just have more understanding like it's not even just about the shine it's about like Andon's trying to confide in Hilo and be like I like really want to I hated killing him, but I want to do it again. You know, he's trying to like, he's f- guilt ridden and he feels, you know, he's in this like severe withdrawal. He has like no serotonin left in his body. And he's like, I don't care about anything. And, <laughs> and he was just like, it's kind of like a, I don't know, big brother type of reaction. He's like, it's, you'll be fine. It's fine. Like we all go through it. You'll get over it. So, yeah, I read that two ways. I was like, kind of like big brother reaction where you're right like, like a, he's, he's just crying. trying to make him feel better yeah Stop crying he's trying to like in one way comfort him in a way that's like probably not the best way for Andon particularly but he's trying to comfort him and then it did seem to me like the way he was talking about it like this was like kind of a regular thing that this doctor seemed like he was in control of and maybe i just trust the medical situation too much and that's me being naive but we just when we're when we first learn about shine, it's like a bad thing, and nobody uses it. And then now, all of a sudden, it's like it's fine. I thought that was more like culturally based. They didn't use it just because like they want to be pure, you know, green bone type people. But either way, it's like yeah. why are they all of a sudden cool with it? They it's, do it's, mention that sometimes in situations where a green bone is sick or or wounded they'll use shine as a means of like propping them up until they're back on their feet but that's it's not super clear and it's a it's like a one sentence thing but otherwise it's it's pretty condemned within the community yeah i i definitely don't want to speak down about the medical connotation that you guys are talking about and picking up on or anything like that but shine in its own right as as we see it is counter to the notion of greenness right which is this thing that's kind of flaunted in front of us is like the capability to like have this power and to be able be the right person to hold the power at the time and so for andin i think in this moment being weaned on shine means i'm unable to handle this yeah. i took too much and I know that I took too much. And that complicates things as we see the end of the story. Especially with out. his like emotions about his mom. So, okay, I can see yes. that more. Yeah. Right. So so it's 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 not about like just like nursing him back to health so much as it is this per, this picture of 
you know, it kind, it kind of like I'm makes not actually all, green. Yeah, yeah, it makes all his worst thoughts about himself like true in that moment. Right. It's so. I agree, but it's so obnoxious that he thinks that because he went from zero to a hundred, which well, like he's a everyone sad boy. knows That's what sad boys do. he can't do. You know? Right. Yeah. Also, I mean, like literally You can't just totally agree. Everything that could have warped and twisted Andin's relationship with himself and with Jade and what it means to wear Jade, everything almost possible that could have made him like have this mal affected opinion of all this has happened like his mother died of the itches there's like the cursed family thing he's born blooded sensitivity he's gay in a culture where that's not super accepted like he's not a call and name like he has he doesn't feel like he fits in anywhere and then like all these other extra things keep happening to him that seem to reaffirm Mm -hmm. that and his doubts in himself he's this misplaced puzzle piece and I, I think that is epitomized in the quote that he has very early on in the chapter where he says to himself, ah, Jade, it was just as the penitent said, Jade was divine. It came from heaven and it could make men into gods and didn't licked his parched lips, wondering where the Jade was now when he could get, sorry, when he would get to put it back on and feel that way again. And suddenly he wanted to cry. Just the whole this whole like very depressing picture of like when do i get it back this addiction oh yeah instant addiction and he he doesn't like that he's have he doesn't like himself as a jade fiend jealous murderous person you know which is so he's equating all this jade to the like worst parts of himself Mm-hmm. Like he says, he's like envious of Hilo. He's not like, oh, I hope Hilo's okay. He's like, give me your jade. It's Golem-esque in its own way. Yeah, yeah that was a overwhelming desire. Yeah, it was that Bilbo Baggins <laughs> moment where he's like, eyes bug out there for a second. <laughs> Lived <laughs> in my pointy. nightmares as a child. When I saw that in theaters, I was like, that is my number one fear. How dare you? <laughs> the one that got me was in Return of the Cane when he's like devolving. That's what fucked me up. At that up. point, it was ten. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm younger seven. Than you. I saw it when they were. <laughs> I, I saw, saw them the when Bilbo. they were. Out. I know. I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. But... Anyways, I think yes. we were like thirteen yeah. or fourteen when Return of the King came out. That's not true. It came out in two thousand three. You want to know why I know? Because you love Lord of the Rings. Because it won eleven Oscars. No. Oh. Because it was the last time I went to the movie with my stepdad. Anyway, I cool. That seems like there's some other stuff that needs to be held back there. <laughs> I, I, have that, I have that date stamped in my head. That'll be the angel's um, cut. Sorry, it was the second to last time. Cut, the cut, last cut. time we watched it. Yeah. Cut, cut, cut. Yikes, I don't know what's going on here. Yikes. <laughs> Anyway, the the only other thing that I had to say inside of this chapter is the fact that they did win back all this territory. This surge led to them like reclaiming a lot of the territory that they had lost and holding on to territory that otherwise they didn't think that they would maintain. So they it now seems to be on a much even, much more even playing field between the two clans going forward, which is a victory to celebrate. Big time. Okay. 
shows you that Gaunt was really holding things together over there for the mountain. Yeah. Well, and the top fists and fingers got death rayed by Andon's lightning fingers. And they were like, holy shit. <laughs> no Peak has a god on their side. <laughs> what are the we going to do? The little baby god. <laughs> what, what are we going to do? There is some like there's just this note of of I don't know if it's fully irony, but of the way that this book approaches Anded and Gaunt's relationship in the beginning, and then seeing that also lead to his demise very directly in the way that Gaunt appreciated his power and his family, and saying that like a lot of this was very unfortunate, and the Call family also acknowledged that as unfortunate, but they believe that it was the differences between the mountains and the calls. I I think the mountain was a little bit more compassionate than like Cole Sen was in the time and in those moments. And I don't know, there's something to be said about that relationship and Andon and or Gaunt having respect for Andon. That is why this all is able to happen to begin with. Mm-hmm. As a little, as a little kid. And then shortly thereafter, a God who snuffs out his life through his impenetrable steel. Scary. Yeah, that's it. I That's do. why I don't like high schoolers. Teenagers scared the living shit out of me. Is that I would song? review that song bad. Yeah. Now this is fair my, use. My chem. How? No, okay. It was less than three seconds. That that kind of ended. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 56. Graduation day. Andon arrives at Academy Grounds for his graduation ceremony, and rumors of his role at the Twice Lucky have leaked out to classmates who greet him in a way reminiscent of fingers greeting a fist, which unnerves Andon, who has already been having a difficult time adjusting to his life following his actions at the Twice Lucky, his family's jade legacy, and everything else that seemingly alienates him from those around him. Ultimately, he panics and rejects his graduation jade which infuriates Hilo, who tries to convince his cousin to accept the jade, and after they talk, eventually tries to take the blame for Andon's fears. But when Andon remains steadfast in his convictions, Hilo excommunicates him from the clan, causing Andon to flee, eventually arriving at Lon's grave, where Shay comforts him. So, Not a good look for anyone. This was tough. Except Shay. I was pretty disappointed yeah. in Hilo. Shay did a good job. Yeah. Mama Bear Shay. Big sister. Yeah. And in. Probably should have just got through it, right? I, no, I don't think he should have been there. Like, he wasn't <laughs> ready. They should have kept him in the fucking hospital. I mean, like, we accept the Jade on his behalf. He clearly. That's a good point. He clearly, like, proved himself. Why are we forcing him? He's clearly unstable at the moment, and you can't just prop him up on shine. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't think he should have been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> could things but I think that's a good point I didn't consider that communication I also this is just a classic case of where I would love for Andon just to be a little tougher less of a little piss boy like cross <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> I was getting water on the house could things before Andon has to cross the stage. Could things have gone worse for him to get his mind settled and ready for Jade? He's got everyone treating him like a fist, alienates him. He's not about that. His boy, Lot, Lot out here, 
reading the, uh, giving the like weird ceremonial oaths going on. There's that whole relationship there. And then he just, he's not, he's not having a good time. Yep. Again, this could all be fixed if, you know, Hilo listened to him in the hospital and was like, you know what, buddy? How about we take it easy? Right. But when you're in this society, that's so like, there's like, you're this clan that has to like keep up appearances. And Andon's reaction to the Jade, it's like, he clearly has like PTSD and he just literally went through a war scene and he's like, you know, they're pushing him way too hard, too fast. And, you know, I, I agree with you too, Ben, like he could have just like gotten through it maybe, but I mean, he's like completely broken at this point. Have some compassion. You're actually I do. Like I do. I just like, I just also think that we can ask a little bit of him, like think, of him to not be a, such a baby boy bitch all the time. I think we already asked a lot of him and he proved that he wasn't a baby boy bitch when he killed Gaunt Ash. He also, I mean, so he could have rejected the Jade, done that whole thing that he did. And then once Hilo comes and is like, hey man, I fucked up. We can do this better. He could have pretended to accept the Jade then and then after Hilo gets a chance to calm down, maybe try to reapproach him and be like, I, you know, we tried it your way. I can't do this. But right. I would say his or, conviction is being very brave and not bitch boy. I, I'm, I think it's so interesting to call it. Conviction is so close to what I would actually call it. I'm going to let PJ jump in because I have so many hard. I've got I've got a lot of thoughts on this little bit. But PJ, I would call it conviction. Because of the way that he tackled it, because he very easily easily could have done exactly what Shay did. He could have accepted the jade and then given it up and and sworn it off. I think like, the pro- the main problem though was he couldn't even like touch it in that moment. He was like, but Don't, he wouldn't like, have keep to. me away he, from jade. Like, it's within a box. He wouldn't have to touch the jade at all. He just doesn't want to accept it and take it on as his own. Like he's not touching it. In this, he sees in this it as moment. a meta responsibility. Like it's it's yeah. a larger responsibility. That's why yeah. I think of it as a conviction, and that's why yeah, I agree yeah. with Thomas in this. Yeah, mm. he sees it as like I, the snowball of him becoming the Green Goblin again. He's mm. like, if I get one piece, I'm gonna want more and more and more until I'm decked out again. Yeah. Is this Andon with a giant Green Goblin on a glider photo? Yeah. <laughs> so now we need. And in, in whatever adaptation to be played by a Willem Dafoe, yeah, a like CGI modified Willem Dafoe. No, throughout his life, we can do that, right? Because he takes after the uh, spending inside, so it'll be no. fine. Okay. <laughs> oh boy, I so I do I do agree with the sentiment that you shared, which is that it is kind of a conviction, but I feel like it's also it it is. It is a conviction, but I can also understand the immediate shame of the moment from Hilo's perspective and from the family's perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is, there's an inherent shame. It is conviction, but with conviction comes the consequence of everyone else's ire in this moment of being embarrassed and shamed by this family member stepping down 
during graduation, during a moment in which you receive something really important that you've been fighting for for a long time, even if you denounce it, which Shay has done previously, which is why I think Shay's conversation in the end is so well done and so well executed is she understands the why. But I, I have I have a very tough time with this because it's it's also like drawing a boundary line, which I think is an important thing to do. But on the public stage as the equivalent top of your class, last person to be announced, number one in the clan, number one biggest fan, you know, the the dude who ended the war. Well, the dude who killed. I mean, just once again, like, have some fun, Andon. You know, like no, I mean, maybe just enjoy I can't it. Why he doesn't want to have fun? His mom died of this <laughs> shit, right? Like <laughs> he's traumatized for many it. reasons, yeah. including what just happened to him. So I, I think no, the common I comparison think ben, is like being when you've got family addiction, too much like Hilo. Right? <laughs> I, I man, I I agree with you, Aaron. I I feel like it's like a if you have family addiction, you're afraid of falling into those same footsteps in various components and capacities. And so, like he is, he's evaluating everything he does based on those parameters, and doesn't understand that like just because you flirt with something doesn't mean you fall into it. But he's had that experience of falling into what he imagines it to be, which is Hilo's fault in the end in the last chapter ultimately or 54 ultimately like he got overexposed so i don't know it's tough i i think that andin could have handled it better at the same time i think it would be less andin like to have handled it better and he's still a kid like sure he's graduating he's a man now but like you know he needs a therapist he doesn't need jade he's like talk to somebody (laughs) and nobody will fucking listen to him right great point <laughs> right especially Hilo, of whom should be the most understanding person because they were the only two people that went through the same thing in the same moment like they should have a relationship because of that giving up and accepting of jade and like the right. opposite yeah the opposite reaction yeah but between the two. what suggests what, what have we seen from Hilo that suggests he'd be capable of that you know he he <laughs> thinks of honor and clan above all no i know well exactly it's clan first and so that's mm-hmm. why he's so repulsed by the entire prospect is because he's like this brings shame to the clan you were my brother you agreed to these oaths right and so like this is step by step like this is shame to the clan the clan is the only thing that's loved me my entire life and so you are denouncing the clan and me in turn right I'm just saying, like, if we give and yeah. no, a little caveat, totally he don't. fucked up because that's who he is and his capabilities only allow him to reach at conclusion. Can, it's the yeah. same thing for Hilo. I think that's the important thing is to realize that both of these characters are correct on their own trajectories of the way that they've been treated in their lives and the way that the lives have treated them. That's the tough part mm-hmm. is reconciling that. And both fuck up. Like, both mm-hmm. do not handle yeah. this correctly at all. Right. I would say I would give and in handles it better yeah i think Andon gets a four out of ten and hilo gets a two out i of think 10. maybe a like one it's, it's bad maybe a two because he yeah. does try he does at first try to be like damn i he fucked up but then he, is, he extends yeah. one bridge and then quickly bends and folds yeah but. so i i can see like in the future like Andon becoming either a bad guy because of 
this scenario and Jade Fevered or whatever, or I can see him coming back and being back in the fold only because of Shay's understanding and relationship with like Shay's the only one like holding him there at all. Like he was just like pushing him away with his brute, you know, conviction. Nature. Yeah. So hopefully Shay can <laughs> tickle him back in. Yeah, bring him back into the fold. And Shay's like immediately like, no Hilo, it's his decision. Yeah. Like she immediately stands up for him. Yeah, like Which that. makes sense, yeah. being the one that has left the clan. Yeah. Like it makes sense for her to be the one to stand up for Andon's decision here. And I think this is a more like feel like this is probably the way that Shay would have done it had she had that courage to begin with. Instead of like going through graduation and then hanging up her jade, despite what it's done for her now, I feel like this is the path she would have wanted to take before. Maybe. Maybe Gerald talked her out of it. Take your jade off. Fucking Gerald. Fucking Gerald. Put the man down. But yeah, because I think Gerald but, is the inciting incident. I think I think Shay's really the only person in Andon's life right now that is showing any real understanding. So I hope he can like <laughs> and she even apologizes, you know, at the grave site. Like I didn't I'm sorry I didn't listen to you, like because now she knows about the shine. So and has been alone in a lot of stuff, so it's good Shay's there. <laughs> it's almost like Shay's been assembling a puzzle upside down. She can see where all the different puzzle pieces should fit together based on the shape, but she has no picture to fully paint it with. And so she's been trying to piece everything together with these two people that have not been telling them complete truths for so long. And so now she feels some kind of shame for that. And I think that's so wrong for her. But I can understand her empathy in the moment or sympathy. Mm -hmm. It's just it's I think one of the interesting things about these sections is that we don't get anything from Shay's perspective, which would be the sort of oblique kind of tragedy of it all, because she believes that could have been done differently or better is the weatherman. So we kind of get that from this moment with Andon, but yeah, you feel good on that one. Thomas? Yeah. I feel like that's all like we, we hit it organically. Well-rounded. Okay. Job by us. All right. With that, the final mainline chapter of the book, chapter 57, forgiveness. After receiving a letter from Doru urging her to flee Kacon, or at the very least have a backup plan to that to escape, Shay burns the letter from Doru in contempt of his poisonous words. We return to the Twice Lucky, where the Call family is gathered for the seventh day brunch service. Hilo and Shay share a conversation about forgiving Andin before Mr. Une gifts his severed left ear. Glenn agrees again to repair the Twice Lucky, much to the relief of the staff just like happened back in chapter one. Poor Mr. Une. I loved that part <laughs> when he was like, I was like, why does he have a bandage on his head? <laughs> yeah. I feel so bad for Mr. Une. It's so brutal. It is brutal. It's, it's a terrifying, mo- like it's a, 
I terrifying is the wrong word. There's something about this that I was again shocked by rereading it in the idea of like delivering the ear. And we heard about it before. It wasn't a new thing. It was just shocking in the moment because Mr. Une was loyal, but was forced by Gaunt to be to not give up Make his life, balls. basically. And so then he lost his ear because he chose not to die. That's just such a brutal thing for Mr. Une as a character arc. <laughs> and I love how Hilo hey man, just like picks up the box. Get fucked. <laughs> yeah. Hilo picks up the box like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, dude. Cool, cool, cool. I'm going to eat these squid balls now. Yeah. After like, I'll just set this over here. Appreciate that. Good to have you back. So I, while yes, I agree with this, the way that we've been talking about it. At the same time, the way Hilo addresses it makes it pretty clear that in the eyes of the clan, what Mr. Une did was a slight. And Hilo refers to it as a mistake. He made a mistake when given like really horrible choices. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, in, in this context of like how they're interacting, it, it's very much dependent on the history and the way that clans and lantern men interact with each other. I think I was surprised by the use of the term mistake in this, but kind of going over all of it and the way that Mr. Une reacts and cutting off his ear as tribute and like repentance based on how this culture is built. I think it makes sense. Yeah. It's not that it doesn't make sense. It's just that it is extreme from the outside. Oh, right. For sure. Like it is. <laughs> this is crazy from our perspective. For uh, sure. But yeah. Do you think Mr. Rene cut off his own ear or do you think he made someone else do it? And he did it. I think he took the same knife that he cuts the squid balls <laughs> with, the squid up, and he just dice, dice, sheared dice. it, you know, real quick. Into yeah. a box. Dice, dice, dice. Slip and got it and like separated it because it's kind of if you, if you think about the ear as you cut it i'm not gonna do that but you know it's kind of that way yep yeah i think he either did it with his with himself or if he's married he did it with his wife okay. but I, Ooh, I don't think sexy. he like had his staff do it okay for him. all right pitch 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 we haven't we often in the show we talk about adaptation right this is a great moment of adaptation how would this be adapted in the moment flapping I door think, with like seeing him and his wife like cut it off i don't think you can see perspective it. or i think it has to, it diminishes the impact if you see it before yeah, he hands him the bops sure i would agree do you see his wife walk in and then do it or like there, there are a couple of ways to frame the scene i'm just wondering if you think that like do we the see impact that we're talking about right here we could see the full scene after yeah. giving the box Right, for sure. What I'm saying is, is like leading up to the ear, do we see her walking in and like picking up a knife and like him standing there and then the ear afterward? You you need to set it up a little bit. But do you we see him trying go. to do it and like trying to amp himself up to do it and then his wife come in and do it for him? He takes the order panicked, potentially, you know. Okay, I went too deep on this one, but I... As someone no. who loves the idea of adaptation and loves this shit, that's how I would do it. I think is, what happens not necessarily is the flapping door, but so you think he did it like you want to see before right and after. before that, right before he prints it out in the moment. Oh, interesting. I thought he did it like mm. shortly after No Pete won, and he was like, you know, our He's boys so are coming bandaged. back. 
I feel like they would have made a point to say that it was like freshly bleeding and like still wet. Sure. If it, it like, I, I feel like this was done a, a while before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think he did it in preparation. <laughs> Poor Mr. Une. <laughs> Great squid Aaron balls, looks though. so unimpressed with us like diving into this I was unimpressed with process. (laughs) Okay, so moving on from that, this is there there's something to be I love the moment in which Shay lights the letter on fire, right? So like she is like, fuck you, fuck your attempt at like giving me an out. I'm not out. I'm in as she had solidified before in the quote that I'd read previously. This is just that moment. It's that line in the sand She's pro-clan through and through and is done with the forgiveness that she tried to extend this man of whom didn't deserve it in the first place. And we knew it, but this proves Doro's still alive running around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where is he? Where Should, is he? Okay. Should she have burned the letter? Should she have used the envelope full CSI investigation? I want to know where this was stamped. <laughs> I want to know, you know, hand hand delivered, right? No stamps, I guess. I just feel like maybe there's some opportunity to figure this out. We need a little sleuthing. We need to go mind sure hunter Dor- on this. Doru, though, would have covered his tracks. I don't know. They, that's how they got the Unabomber, you know? <laughs> but Doru is better than the Unabomber is what we're suggesting. Maybe. We <laughs> so. don't know that. She burned the letter. That's how they got BTK. Yeah. Would be maybe you know they they say like here's the residue from this specific area of Katon. I don't know. I don't know if they have that technology to do that. That's the more important question to me. But now yeah. we'll never know. Shay. Now we'll never know. But I like what you said, Cross. This she's like, I'm not running. Like, you know, she's she's in it now. Like you said. This isn't a consideration. It wasn't before. It isn't now. Now that things have changed, even with Andon and Hilo and the way that things are going, it's fully in. No mm-hmm. question. Yeah. So, moving back to the meal that we talked about a little bit, I find it interesting, again, that we're presented with the fact that Call Sen wasn't always a bad guy from Shay's perspective, given that we have so many varying perspectives, you know. On the man in these last moments with him out to dinner, even though he's not being as bad as he's been. What what are our kind of final thoughts on Colson? I don't know if we can take Shay's perspective at face value because she has a pretty unique, like positive interaction with Colson her entire life. And I, that that seems unique to her. I don't mean to try to correct this too much. We should take her perspective at face value, but it's not the only perspective, right? So it's not. I, don't, I guess my point is that doesn't indicate truth about who Kalsen is. Yes, exactly. Right. There's there's yeah. the complexity via perspectives, but it's not that her perspective is wrong. It's just that it's different right. because she had a different correct. relationship. Yeah. I think, like I said before, we should roll them out into the. Dump him. Dump him. (laughs) Dump him into the docks. I think we're good. No, I think he's at this point, it's just like, okay, grandpa. Like, 
I just think, yeah, it's, you know, crazy old guy over here. He's a fully rounded human being. He's got faults. He's got complexities. He's treats some people. Well, he treats others like shit. Like we all do that type of shit. So I don't know. It just speaks to, and now he's a grumpy old racist (laughs) who his character is. Yeah. So it's like, you know, don't meet your heroes. He's the torch of Kikon, but he's also an asshole and he was also a nice guy to Shay for a long time, but he also probably covered up a pedophile. So yeah, definitely did. Totally a thing. Proving (laughs) cover up. Doesn't mean that he didn't do good things, but he also has not done. He's also done a lot of not great things. Yeah. And we've got to take him for the whole human being that he is. Hmm. What do we what do we think about and given this is the last like full chapter that we get, I'm curious what you guys think about Hilo's health. Obviously we've seen Lon go through a similar not the same, but an interesting This jade was concerning type of sickness. What do you think? He he got fucked up. Yeah. Lawn <laughs> two point I'm a little worried about him. But he didn't take like a the same type of like jade blow internally. Yeah. His is more yeah. like mortal or wounds of the flesh and all the stabbings and kicking and bleeding out. So I, he probably won't be as, you know, limber as he once was and he'll be a little more sore, but I don't know. I I don't see it as a parallel, direct parallel to Lon. Ben skeptical. Yeah. Scratching his chin. I was worried. As is PJ, picking at his mustache. You're such a helo What do you think? <sighs> it's not a bet. I'm just, I'm wondering where your minds are at going into the next book. Like, I think Hilo is in such a strange place because I don't think Hilo expected to be alive several times over now. Mm-hmm. And I think his perspective on life is so much more or so much less self-preservation focused and and so much more clan focused than he would have been if he hadn't already gone through the like highs and lows of i'm expecting to die today and he's done that several times so i i think it's very hard to predict what Hilo will actually do going forward, but I think it will be not in a self-preservation focused way almost ever from now on. All right. Following that up, where is Andon in post of the conversation with Shay? Where do you think he is? Is he in KCON? Is he somewhere else? Jan Loon? Like what's going on with Andon? Can we find out? Don't we know? No. I thought it was like he's out with the the mom. What? I don't think it's textual. Oh. Double check Thomas, but eight. I percent also sure thought that. I'm pretty uh, sure see. they tell us that he's out on the same like islander, yeah, in Marinia, and that there's two fingers out there. Hmm. After leaving her cousin broken spirited but calm on the beach behind her mother's cottage, she'd spoken to Wen, who had spoken to Ken, who had quietly sent two reliable guards to Marenia. 
So he was in Marinia at some point. He was in Marinia, but okay. there's an assumption at the end of this chapter that he's somewhere else, that he's been sent Got somewhere you. else. I did not catch that. Between Hilo and Shay. That's what I'm talking about or leaning into. Mm, Espinia. question. Definitely. Because he, because Hilo answers no to like, do I care where he is? And that's not how I took that at all. Fucked up and brutal. Yeah. I just took but, it as he doesn't care where he is right now. Not that. Right, there's like, right, right. He doesn't care. Right. Right. So hold on. I'm sorry. What are you at? What are you getting at? I'm confused. The whole thing that I'm getting at is where do we think Andon is? Right. But why do you not necessarily Hilo's impression? Right. But why do you think I he's think not in when... Marinia? What does it say? I'm pitching it. To that okay. I, I think when add up a little connect with Shay's help and for Andon to go to Spinia. Yeah, I was gonna say if he's not in Marinia, that's what I thought, but. If I had to say somewhere else, then I think he's in Espinia. If he's. Yeah. So, where I'm bringing this into is you should forgive him, even if he can't forgive you yet. She considered the irony of these words coming from her mouth. There had once been a time when she'd been certain that she would never wanted to speak or to see Hilo again, and here they were, a pillar in the Weathermen of the clan. She hadn't been able to get Hilo to acknowledge any mention she'd made of Andon, and sure enough, her brother did not look at her reply to his latest attempt Shay kept trying so she hadn't been able to get Hilo to acknowledge any mention she made of Andon and sure enough her brother did not look at her or reply to this latest attempt Shay kept trying it was early yet Lon had told her that after she left for Espenia Hilo Hilo hadn't spoken about her for six months do you want to know where he is whether he's somewhere safe she at least made arrangements for that no said Hilo yeah and then the next paragraph we did the Marinia thing. So that's what that's. I'm just saying. I took that as summing up the mm. the ball. Sure, summing up the ball. That's not a thing. But yeah, this feels a like question. a it's micro a fair question. I was just kind of argument. Right. I wasn't. Yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah, arguing. Sure. I was like, just confused and trying to understand. Yeah. All good. It, it felt like we know he's in Marinia, but do you want to know what hotel room he's staying in versus mm. what city on the planet is he in? Like those are kind of. Do you want to go see him? Sure. Yeah. That's how. Yeah, I took more. Do you want to see him? Do you want to know literally where he is? That that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm. I totally missed the Marinia bit this time, so I thought he was somewhere else. It's my bad. Cut around that. I do love the full circle moment of returning to the twice lucky. Right. This idea of we began in the twice lucky, we can we conclude the story here is just so excellent as we sit down and have these squid balls, even if it's with an ear on the table <laughs> and with everything else that's transpired. It's it's excellent. And this final note that we really ended on is this idea of Shay's ambition for one clan having shifted from Ite's goal to her goal, potentially in the backdrop of what she wants is wonderful and fascinating as it sets the stage for the next book another interesting part is in the beginning you know we did the twice lucky we did this whole extraordinary display of jade abilities that the average citizen wouldn't be used to there's this sort of separation between green bone and average citizen and then here the average citizen having just spent the past months years or year months in a war zone because of these extraordinary jade abilities they're familiar with it and now going out of their way to come up to the calls to pay their respects. And it's just like another interesting, like, that he's fucking been through it. Mr. Une's food <laughs> is good. All these people are like, we're with you. We're for <laughs> no peak. 
I like it. Mm-hmm. Me too. Unfortunately, and Shay's not only in it for her herself, her clan. She's like, she's like ready to. I like that she took Aimata's idea. Yeah, yeah, she's like, I'm gonna run she's with like, this. You know what? She did have good points. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna kick her ass using her own rules and her own scheme. Sounds good. Sounds good. Love it. And that unfortunately about this brings, piece of shit beer barrel. Yeah. Unfortunately brings us to the epilogue. Always opportunity. And Ben, it is apt that there, you described him a bet. as a piece of shit because in my notes I have Barrow, that absolute piece of shit, states out Lon's grave, yes. and it appears his luck might just be poised to change again. But that is a story, perhaps for another time. I think it is a story for another time. This freaking guy. So like too. the next um, book. We did make a bet and we all said he would die except for me. I rescinded that one yep. and I said he's going to fuck some shit up. Drink. You did say you that. Be- <laughs> no. I'm, I'm out of my drink too. <laughs> Here's the reality. I'm going to brutalize you guys in the next episode for all your bets that you got wrong. We'll, we'll bring him Fair up. Yeah. Yeah. We should, we should do, do that, that at the we'll start, start with bets yeah. next episode. We'll start with the bets that we have to resolve. But to okay. that point, yeah, Barrow, y'all got it wrong to begin with, of which I love. But then Aaron did adjust and, you know, actually mm. did get it right in the end. Yeah, it would have been a He's nice. Like, you guys would have had to take a shot if Aaron didn't adjust. Yeah. Uh, so it was all um, does anyone else feel like this doesn't feel like the end of a book? The epilogue? Or the no, just this the end before? of this book. It feels like it's so tied into the next book that it doesn't feel satisfying to end a book like this. Yeah, I mean it's all there's a lot of setup for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. It's 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 set up. It's for not a like sequel. a standalone ending. Yeah, you can yeah. definitely tell it's just a continuation of the series setting up a lot more. I like in the audiobook we get some music though. Yeah. That is that is That's a true. great part of it. Frosted. But it, it almost feels like a like an interlude. Like an, an interlude. A, like an intermission. Like it it feels like the first half of a story. Or the well, first it is part a Dana of Wong, a, it is. Right? Like it's, it's I, an I get that, but trilogy. like there's generally with trilogies or with series or with any any book series that we've read it's still there are still like you ends that are wrapped up that and like th- there are still storylines that are tied up or or there's a conclusion of some sort that makes it feel like the end of a book there, and it's there is fine a it's totally totally fine to not do that but it's it's a stark difference from what we've seen from the other book st- book series that we've read in the past. This is no different than the way that Golden's. This is actually a tighter ending than Golden Sun's ending, for comparison's sake. I, Golden it? Sun is a massive cliffhanger. That's another book. Oh my god, it's a cliffhanger, but that's an ending. <laughs> no, Wrong this is cross. also an ending. <laughs> May I pose two this, questions? This is also yes. Go, Thomas. All right, yeah. PJ. Uh, in I haven't read the Sanderson book, so I don't know. In your reading experience, have you had to deal with epilogues a lot? Yes. Okay. So I wasn't sure if that was coloring your perception. Cross. When you first read this series, did you have to wait in between books, or were the first two out when you started? The first two were out. Okay. So I read Jade City into Jade War, but I did take a little bit of time between. Okay. Just a little bit, like a week or two. Because okay. I just immediately picked up Jade 
more after ending this, so I can't but comment. But Legacy was like six months, so... Yeah. I have them all immediately, so I cannot comment on the, that. Because, you know... It, so for me... It's just boom. This is, this is an ending in the same way that a lot of books end this way. It does feel like a conclusion, but there are plot threads that are hanging. It, it's the beginning of a thing, right? So it's... I, I don't see this as any different than, for instance... I don't want to. I don't want to drag this into a longer conversation about the book, but the way that Mistborn ends, the way that the Final Empire ends. I think we just came off a couple of conclusions, and so you're riding high on the we're at the end of something well, versus we're this, at the beginning of something new. So th- this is somewhere in between cliffhanger and conclusion. Like it's neither of them. It feels like the end of a chapter, and we're just like it doesn't feel like there was any story that was wrapped up here. It, I, I wouldn't know. say it's like the tightest conclusion of all time, but I could tell yeah, it was ending right. though, especially yeah, when they're all like feel together like, at the meal. It's like that's that's like an I feel like a normal way to end. Across it, I did feel like a denouement. Conflict. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's it it's totally and it's it's going it it is going down that that slope, but there are still a lot of threads to be resolved. I mean, if you read like a Game of Thrones you would come to a very similar conclusion because it's like, well, what do you mean it's over? There's so much left. And we, and this might be just a symptom of the books that we've chosen to read, but true. Totally. I think, I think this is fairly, I think this is great for a conclusion. It gives you enough threads to make you want to read the next one. And it concludes the story internally, but it doesn't. So it's, it's not, it's not a full end. If I think to Mistborn, spoilers, and the Lord Ruler's death at the end of the first one. It's a big spoiler. I wish. Like, that's like a boom, done. Eh, whatever. It's, <laughs> fuck it. It's fine. The story's been out for more than a decade. <laughs> I haven't read it. Um, I just said that. Well, you're going to be fine. Wow. Shock. The big guy, the bad guy dies. Like, what do you want? It's it's not that great of a book. You dick. That feels fancy. Anti- <laughs> no <but>. hype. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta understand if it's rules. bad. I am. I am going to like tell you. <laughs> no, I meant the the death thing. But that's actively, fine. So. Let's have an offline conversation about that. Because I have a take. Yeah. Final note on this. I I do I do understand your your perspective on this not feeling like a full conclusion, but I think it is a solid conclusion. Okay. If that makes sense. Like we've shut the doors just enough to want you to peek through to see what comes next. And I think that that is a good way to conclude a book. Especially if it's billed as a series. Mm-hmm. So I guess in, in that respect, were this book and the next book, at least, or this book and all three books written simultaneously? Or was it was this written to be the end and then time was taken to like after the release of this to write the next one. So it's tough to say based on publishing timelines, but this was envisioned as a trilogy to begin with and was skeletoned as a trilogy, right? Okay. So the series had a longevity post, but in, in a very different way. And we haven't talked about this at all, but the first law was written all at once and Mistborn was written all at once, the original trilogy. And so those stories had kind of a scripted idea of like where it was going and then editing like got it into shape. I think this one, the first book was confirmation of an idea and that it could work. And when she sold it, it was then re-edited to make sure that this series could work on the whole. So okay. 
as often goes with books, you sell a book based on the first book, not on the idea of a trilogy. You have to sell that first book to make sure that it works. And she managed to do that and then went back and like made sure that there was the connective tissue to future stories. That's very common. In makes sense and otherwise. So, yeah. Okay. That's so. all I've got. <laughs> so, closing thoughts. Who won the week? You know? <laughs> this is a conclusion that is a downer, Shay. ultimately, which is crazy <laughs> for the end of a book. Shay? Shay's, Shay's the only one who didn't fuck something up. <laughs> yeah. When got married? When... Her husband survived. Damn. Her brother survived. Strong made my argument. Anden did. Okay. Thought about it. I I loved, and we we kind of went back and forth on whether or not it was conviction. But I I loved the internal sort of flag in the sand moment of like, I'm sorry. no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and even wow. though it was unprecedented within the clan. To like to reject Jade after like during the ceremony, he still felt strongly enough and was able to able to fight against the desires within his heart that he knew would corrupt him to reject the Jade. And I think that is honorable and commendable. And in won the week for me as well. The same reasons. And it yeah. is my favorite character. I don't know. I still think he fucked up. <laughs> he did. He did fuck up. I, d- I don't disagree with that perspective of it. Like, He'll come I do crawling think back just mistake. like Shay. Mm, that's probably true. <laughs> and did you oh, say yeah. who you thought one? I'm going to go with Shay for the mm. same reasons as Aaron. So think, you know, are you going to be the lone helo? No, I think no Pete won though. I do. Th- I don't think mm. you know it. Nope, it's I think character. It's a group. It's a culture. So, yeah, but like, I mean, everyone else I has so. won and lost. You know, they there's a give and take. But ultimately, if I have to pick one character, I I don't know. That is tough. I wasn't thinking I had to pick Call a specific Sen, character. Legacy? Nah, he never. Yeah, right. That is actually probably Call a Sen pretty compelling his, argument because uh, no one knows how fucked up he is, but us. Let's see. I'm trying to think if I could make a hot it's take that Hilo won. I don't think I can. I would say Andy was doing pretty well one. until he screamed at Andy. Because yeah. here's the thing: I understand personally, on a personal level, why he would make the decisions. He, the decision he did to step away from the clan to reject his jade. I disagree with the way it was carried out, and I disagree with him doing it. But that decision and to stand by it knowing full well what it represented and how poorly it reflected on him and how we know how much he agonized over upholding the tall lineage and making them proud so his steadfastness in doing what he knew to be the right thing is admirable true you could say that yeah that's an argument won the week sorry no not actually he might he he might have won the fucking (laughs) book yeah when the jackpot. Barrow, the scum, <laughs> ran on the underside of this book like a fucking slug. And he's corrupting <laughs> poor little baby. Slugs don't run. 
Yeah, that confused me for a second that the kid just took over Moot's name. I was like, oh, yeah, we need a baby Moot situation on that. Oh, baby Moot. Oh, no. I was trying to think of a better word. Standing for that one. Oh, no. You were so close. That's pretty good. I got it. I loved it. All right. So, (laughs) next week, we're going to be doing a short wrap-up episode with a group of us. Either in... I I think the way that I've concluded in doing it in my head is two halves, because we've got people that are going to be missing on either half. So, we'll do it as a quick, I think, hour and a half episode in total. Talking about the full book and thoughts and everything else and having a little bit of discussion on characters in the future. So, that'll be the game plan. After that, we'll head into Jade War. So... If you aren't showing up for the wrap-up episode, chapters one through seven is going to be the first of Jade War. Very excited to get into the second book of the series. We've got, again, seven episodes to cover the full book, so that's very exciting. It's going to be a little bit faster than this one because it is longer, but I'm very excited to, to rip through this. So that's where we'll leave you for this week. Thank you as always to tim and andrew for helping us keep the show going check out the show notes where you can find our schedule our patreon our previous episodes our websites our social media accounts fucking everything all in one convenient location links to hallerpod Highkey obsessed and otherwise are all who are available those people? there as well who, Sorry. who are those people <laughs> if you don't know them by now then you haven't if been you, listening to the other episodes. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know me by now, you'll probably never know me. Won't win a Grammy. It's terrifying. Won't win a Tony. 20 episodes. Good lean. Good work. And don't forget to rate and review Words and Whiskey. Five stars only. If you don't give five stars only, then we will force you to cut your ear off and oh send my it to us in God. a box. <laughs> That's a good one, though. <laughs> but then we'll accept you as a friend again. And Only you know if you change your review to five stars. We won't invite <laughs> you to when we do our Mr. Unay's Twidball took off. So, double-edged sword. It's going to happen. It's going to happen at Howard Con by on Seth. Thursday. <laughs> oh my god, Logan. we should, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Zeph, Zeph has already agreed to do so much cooking if we show up to where he is. So, he's like, I'll <laughs> fucking like host Squid balls have to go have to near the top of the list, though. He'll, he'll do the thing. So, in case you didn't know, you can find us Words Whiskey Pond on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Words and Whiskey Show at gmail.com. You can join us for these live shows and for all of our other bonus content at patreon.com forward slash words and whiskey. T shirts are on T Public for now. And other than that, you can find Hellerpod at Hellerpod on everything. Everything. Twitter, Instagram. Everything. 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 Everything everywhere all at once. And high key obsessed. Yep. as well and high key obsessed pod high key obsessed podcast on instagram and high to podcast on twitter thank you so much for the support we'll see you next week goodbye bye, bye. bye. cheers <laughs>